Welcome back. How's it going, guys? What's up? To Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast. Very important, Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast. Yes. <laughs> Mike forgot his mic, so he's going to sound a little different tonight. I know, it's kind of lame, but yeah. It's Mike all... forgot his mic. I know, it's weird. So I'm, so I'm using like a spare mic I happen to have in my car. But it sounds hey, good. It sounds it, fine. I'm cool with it, but yeah, I, I really can see the difference in the two mics. Cause right. Th- this is like... Uh, like like uh, ghetto wine, like you pick up in the gutter. <laughs> right. Well, you're more Actually, comfortable no. with that kind of shape, anyways, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Looks like a penis, so it's uh, well, yeah. bulbous on the end. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we're back, and we got a really great episode for you guys. We're going to yeah. be doing witches and warlocks. Warlocks. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be basically doing and breaking down um, the warlock trilogy, as well as the. Three Mothers trilogy from Dario Argento, which is the witches, obviously. Yeah, which which is in, which witches? Which which, which <laughs> one? Which bitch? I, which which? I wanted to say which is cool, but I wasn't trying to make. Oh. A, I, I, I was not trying to go. Zing. But uh, I really, really dig Argento, and I think it's really cool. We're going to be doing some different things today, by the way. We got a new segment that we're going to be doing, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, we'll probably do it after our news segment, so you want to stick around. But. Um, what have you guys been up to? Oh, man, I've been up to the same shit. I ran out of KY. Which Ain't nothing wrong me. with that. You know, <laughs> I definitely been playing a little too much games lately. Yeah. Maybe a little too much. I think I have a problem, guys. Well, if it's like I was playing Final Fantasy and I played like 50 hours in like five days. Yeah. So I was like 10 hours a day. Like, can you imagine? Like, but, Well, it's been a hardcore. toss between the Final Fantasy and the Stick of Truth. I didn't even. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's funny. What about you, Mike? You got some it, new things, didn't you? You told us about. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, I've been uh, a couple things really. I've been watching a lot of TV. I started watching a TV show called Las Vegas, which is kind of cool. Just priming my shit because I'm going to be going to Vegas here over the weekend, which is really cool. <laughs> and I got a couple of. Uh, I like to collect porno parodies. Yeah. Right. And I got one called Evil Head because <laughs> I'm actually going to Vegas for AVN, and one of the guys in Evil Head is uh, Tommy Steele, I think his name, and he's going to be at. Uh, the AVN Awards, yeah. yeah. But what's cool about it is, it's it, it when they made the movie, they're literally like you can tell the people who made it were really like they watched the movie, they know Evil Dead, they know Evil Dead Two, because it's actually pretty damn close to the actual movie. It's so fucking cool. The other thing, well, it won awards. So. It did, yeah. The other thing cool about it, which is like I was not expecting. Remember in Evil Dead, where like they um, find that reel to reel recorder and they listen to it, and it has that professor and he. Uh, it has the the Kandarian, uh, whatever. Yeah, you know. the the seance or yeah. whatever. In in the porno one, it's a uh, uh, Lloyd Kaufman. 
What? Yeah. Like really? on the tape? Well, it's I didn't look it up, but I swear to God, it sounds like a thousand percent like it's Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. I well, it should be in the notes somewhere. Right. I mean, it's not IMDb. Maybe it's like Internet Porn Movie Database. Is there an IPMD? <laughs> I don't know, but I swear to God, it's Lloyd Kaufman, man. Uh, and it's actually pretty fucking funny, dude. Wow. Like I was saying, like I don't want to get too graphic because you might need to cut this. I, I don't want to get too crazy. But you know the scene in Evil Dead where the chick goes out, uh, I think her name is Shelly, and she gets raped by the tree. Oh, so yeah. So that sequence is in the porn parody, but it's literally – They her, amp it up. Oh, yeah. It's like Quite her like – she's like, oh, I kind of like this. And then it's, she takes off her clothes, and there's a scene where like – uh, two branches do do DP. So branch. there's no guy involved. There's no guy dressed like a tree or some no, dumb it's literally, shit. It's literally, it's <laughs> that would be even better. That's, that's I what I would think. Right? It's, it's literally just guys offset. I got that and I got Repenetrator. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Which is reanimator porn. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, beyond watching TV and uh, drinking and hanging out, that's all I've been up to. And what watching I, porn. And watching porn. What have you been up to, dude? Uh, I've been watching a, a... Well, I've actually been working on a lot of the fucking videos. I haven't really done too, too much other than just fucking... Seriously, like... I think I did two videos and then... Where did I... Yeah. Well, yeah, like, the, the Buy My Man one. Dude, I don't know what. Yeah, but I, I think I watched a couple of movies. I watched um, Attack of the Lederhosen Zombies. Which was pretty cool. Uh, it's not amazing, is but... It, is it a newer film? Yeah. It's essentially just like a bunch of people go uh, on a skiing trip or snowboarding trip in the mountains. And it's pretty typical, like, you know, they go to this this bar and they're having the... It's like a club or something like that, like a ski lodge or some shit like that. One of the fucking lead people who's like in control of making snow because they talk about global warming in it. And he's like, you know, the global warming keeps making the snow melt and we can't do anything about it. So we've got to do something about it. And so he has this like green stuff that makes snow and it makes no sense. Why it would be green. But I guess they were trying to do like the reanimator thing. Oh, I gotcha. You know what I mean? But with a snowblower? Hmm. Like, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Or not a snowblower. It just basically makes snow. Yeah, I know. But, but one of the, one, it spills out on one of these guys that's trying to invest in it. And then, of course, zombies everywhere. But it was kind of unique. It had some, like, different things in it. They get affected by something that you don't really see in movies, but it's similar to other things. Well, I'm just going to take a guess here. Why? Because you did say snow. And there's something about snow. And no. No? Nothing is genius. So <laughs> so their weakness is in salt. No, it's nothing like that. But the, the makeup effects is pretty cool, actually. I thought they did a good job. And there's some really funny parts in it. It was one of those movies where I was just like, all right, come on. Come at me, bro. Come on. <laughs> come what you got? Me, you got something? I've seen enough. Give it to me. I've seen enough fuckings out. No, I wasn't that bad. But I just felt like, you know, I was like, oh, here we go. Another zombie movie. You know what I mean? Which is like one of those things. It's like it's like eating pizza. You know what I mean? You eat it all the time. It's nothing special. Right. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, mm, delicious. Zombies. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. I like pizza. <laughs> it, it It's weird because you know how most comedies, like they... They start off really funny, and then they get worse and worse, and then the end's really shitty, like they couldn't come up with a really good idea, so it just fails. This actually got better as it went along. All right. Was it better than uh, those other unique zombie movies that we watched, like Ah Zombies? And, I wouldn't say uh, it's unique. It is unique in the fact that the title's different. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like They're kind of like Return of the Living Dead zombies. Okay. 
So they're not like, you know, shoot them in the head type things. But, and everybody, you know, I, I get it. Like I've noticed in zombie movies, they always go, you know, it's like they have to have this, they pretend that they don't know what the word zombie, what a zombie is. Oh, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they re-explain it through some of the characters that don't know. Right. And it seems a little like, what? Like, like they do in Walking Dead where they got walkers or geeks. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. Like they have a different name for it. Because like a lot of people say if you drop the Z word, you've already lost the movie. But anyway, this movie doesn't, it's nothing amazing. I'd probably say it's like a six, maybe like 6.5 at the most. But it was still entertaining, and I laughed quite a few times towards the end. And I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, that's cool. There's, I'm just going to spoil this part, so if you don't want to hear I'm going to say it for 10 seconds, and then you can go on. There's a part where one of the zombies gets, they hide up in the attic, and he turns into a zombie. And she takes those ski poles and shoves them in his eyes like, like this. And he falls through the attic hole, and it catches and so he's just hanging there by his head. Like, and I thought it was really funny. There's some unique kills in there. I was that's actually good. pretty impressed. They're pretty cool, man. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for me, man. But I think it might be about that time, guys. Time for what? Horse shots! All right, so we decided to do something a little bit different. Because I had a wild hair up my ass, and I've just been craving absinthe. That I went to the Bevmo and I picked up some absinthe, which is fucking expensive, guys. Yeah. Like, I didn't know it was going to be that expensive for like a twenty. It was two hundred milliliters. It was like fucking thirty dollars. Yeah, it's like more expensive than Red Breast. Ah, jeez. So, Actually, you said how much you paid for it? It was like thirty dollars, dude. It was Actually, yeah, that, that that is more expensive than RB. Yeah. <laughs> so, but does RB make you trip? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, if I drink enough, I'll trip We're doing illegal I'll, shit. I'll we're doing illegal floor. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're insane. No, it's a le- it's legal. <laughs> I don't think it has the uh, same amount of like wormwood and things in it that, that they normally would have. I think it's toned down. Maybe version. not, but woodworm is in there. I made sure of that. Wormwood or wormwood? Woodworm. It, it, it's woodworm. I thought it was yeah. wormwood. Sometimes it, my worm. We'll look at the label here in a second. I'm gonna have Sometimes to my, my worm turns into wood. <laughs> it's your fucking idea, and you don't know the history? I'm just kidding. So Mike named the shot, and we're going with, what is it now? Witches uh, get stitches, bitch. Stitches. <laughs> Witches get stitches, motherfucker. Yo, what's up? You got a broom, motherfucker? All right, so I'm going to yeah. move my mic away. Check out my cold drink, bitch. Yeah. Yo, you ever heard of Goblin, motherfucker? That's my soundtrack, yo. Yo, look at my broomstick, bitch. <laughs> All right, so Pat has opened the oh, man, bottle is- of absinthe. That actually smells pretty decent. It, it's uh, usually when I when I drink absinthe. Yeah, it smells decent. It smells the same as any of the other ones. <laughs> it smells like cologne. Ah, it's like this this little bottle. It's it's bigger than a cologne bottle, but it just feels like ah, old day, old de toilet, old day fingernail and worm. There you go. All the goths will love oh, me now. Toil, toil, boil in trouble. I'm going out tonight. Ooh, <laughs> All right, so now Pat has poured half a shot of the absinthe. Now, what was the other ingredient? You didn't mention it. Did you? No, I didn't, did I? Oh, well, I'll tell you then, or you can. Go ahead. It's the Jägermeister. Yeah, it's always Jägermeister. Yes, it's good. It's my favorite part of the drink. <laughs> I like it because it, it reminds me of uh, the reverse green fairy. Mmm, I love when they ride cowgirl. very tasty. My shots, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, full shots, baby. You want, you want I want a real shot. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> 
All right, so Pat filled it up with a Jägermeister. So it was just say, yo, witches get stitches, bitch. Witches get stitches. All right, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Prost. It's just like overkill. Prost. Like, why would we do black licorice on black licorice? That's pretty much what it's going to taste like. I wonder if it'll taste like black licorice. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's going to taste like bottom. It actually tastes more like alcohol. Wait, you're with... tasting it? We're no, all like, we're no, all no, hesitating. I'm, I'm just I'm sorry, waiting. not I'm tasting, when, when but I'm I do smelling this? I'm, it. I'm waiting, and dude. it smells more like alcohol now with the Jaeger in it. Wait, are you before. saying alcohol smells like alcohol? Well, it doesn't smell as like star as star like knees. Bottom whatever. liquid. <laughs> I don't, it smells I like hate. what's left over when you, you, you empty it out of your bottles. I am not a black licorice fan. We are, by the way, guys, we're all like procrastinating. He's a, he's a white licorice fan. Like, we don't want to do this. Like,. I it's think so of all the shots we did, I'm pretty scared. I know this, of this is the most tame, though. Right, it's just the licorice, dude. It's the licorice. Oh, you don't like it. All right, one. All right, stop being pussies. Two, three. Drink your shit. Oh. Well, first you're not supposed to shoot fucking absent. Oh man, I kind of dig that. <sighs> oh man. Oh, I feel like I got witch's titties now. <laughs> what a witch's tit drink that was, huh? I like that it burns. That'll wake you up. It's like, it's like drinking a bag of razors. <laughs> oh, yeah, my nips. I can see from here. I'm cutting glass. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God. <laughs> you just spin me. And somebody it, threw a, like, it a, puts a hole in a, the window a, so a we can A bunch of water in. and I made win the contest. We can make, you can make me the burglar tool. Just, <laughs> Pat grabs my legs, you grab my head, and we'll spin me to the hole. It. We cut a perfect circle. Right, I need to drink some champagne on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I kind of dug that. It wasn't bad. Uh, I like absinthe. I don't know. Out of all the shots we've done, and we did that Friday the 13th with 13 different... Uh, that one was okay. Yeah, that was actually... Better Should have been worse than the, this. The worst, the worst one, I think, was... Uh, the the one that made me throw up. Yeah, I was gonna say that's always gonna be there. <laughs> also, the one that had the uh, the chunks of uh, cereal in it. Yeah, because that literally tasted like vomit. Anyway, so that was our witches get stitches shot. Hell yeah! And uh, that's it for all shots. Yeah. So, Mike, is there something else you want to talk? About? Oh my God! This just in on the news. Here is the fucking news. Alright guys, so we got some news for you today. Some big things, some little things, and some Stephen King things. Uh, I don't know, we got a lot of stuff. We're going to try to shoot through this because the new segment might take a little bit longer than we expect. There's this movie where the tall man was in it, I don't know if you've ever seen You ever heard of Phantasm? Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, it's, it's, what's it's, that about? It, it, it sounds it just, like a shitty movie. It just came out last week, right? <laughs> Is that like a remake of Phantom of the Opera? Or yeah, something? I, <laughs> it has balls. It has balls that fly at your face, right? <laughs> the Phantom. Oh my God! <laughs> the Phantasm Collection, March twenty eighth, twenty seventeen, from Wellgo USA on Blu Ray. That's right. We get the U.S. release a couple of weeks earlier than the U.K. release. So suck that. No, it's not. There's actually some bad news attached to this. Not oh. cool. So for those of you who may have already seen that the Arrow at Arrow is actually releasing the Phantasm Collection, 
they are going to be getting it. I think it's like April 17th or something like that or whatever, but they're getting a ball like a Phantasm Terror Ball. Oh. Yeah. We don't get that. No. What? I know. I was a little disappointed. I was in the uh I was on Bloody Disgusting talking to to one of the guys who I guess writes for him or something like that. And I totally missed it. I was like, I wonder if they're gonna have and he was like, uh and he like copied the <laughs> He like copied the shit and I was like, God, I sound like an idiot. Uh but yeah, apparently we're not getting the ball. But apparently he had told me, uh and I can't think of his name, sorry. Uh but if you go to the article, you'll see it, it the conversation in there. But uh, he told me that they said that it would have cost them too much money and they didn't want to bite off of what somebody else was already doing with another company. So I can totally understand that. But I feel like, in a way, and I'm not trying to whine here, you know, master of wine. But I want it. <laughs> but uh, I want it. I really do want it. But so some people have opted to buy both. Right. If you got the money. And then just replacing the stuff that's in the UK version with right. the... Because it's not region free, right? No, it's going to be region whatever it is. I think it's like two or some shit like that. But I would think that they could have like maybe done something a little extra, but they are doing some extra features, I guess. But either way, I'm just happy to have all of the movies on Blu-ray. So that's March 28th that it'll be out. So if you guys want to get your pre-order fingers ready, start jamming them on the fucking keyboard now. Also on March 28th, something that me and you were talking about just the other day. Because we were watching Warlock, right? The trilogy, mm. and uh, it reminded us of the Wishmaster. So oh, yes, oh really? Yeah, the Wishmaster collection from Vestron is coming out March twenty eighth, the same day as Phantasm. Nice, super cool, man. They got a new cover and everything. It's it's a uh, four disc set. It looks pretty cool. I'm excited for it. There's some extra features that they're gonna have in it, but uh, I think Vestron's starting to pick their fucking shit up. And for the longest time, it's so funny to me because Vestron, or not Vestron, Lionsgate was like, everybody's like behind the scenes, like, you motherfuckers are holding our movies hostage. Why aren't you putting these out on Blu-ray? I'm insane. But now they're actually putting them out. So every time I think of Wishmaster, mm-hmm. I, my mind automatically goes to, after I'm done thinking about that movie, is Masters of Illusion. Oh, the one with the Scott. Scott Bakula. Bakula. And, uh, yeah. And Clyde, yeah, Bar- yeah, Clyde Barker. Right. Oh, yeah. dude, such a great film. You know, I, I liked it, but I don't remember. I, I don't know if I was, it was like a, my big thing, but I remember all my friends really liking it a lot. So I need to rewatch it again. I owned it a couple of times on VHS and DVD, but I don't know. I think I sold it off when I was like homeless. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely give it another watch. It's pretty good. Um, also, Stephen King has chimed in recently on Twitter a lot and talked about some of his top favorite movies. And apparently someone was paying attention and kept a document of it. Bloody Disgusting did a uh, top 15 of uh, Stephen King's favorite modern horror movies. So he's basically gone through and listed off quite a few. Some of them I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Some of them I'm a little surprised by, but most of them are pretty mainstream. Let's hear it. Uh, The number one, I don't know if these are in order. These are just the top 15. They kept track of it so it's not like he was like here's my list right it was just somebody taking track but the number one then they put down is the autopsy of jane doe oh yeah and i'm I'm telling you man guys if you have not seen that movie give it a chance i'm not going to tell you anything about it nobody will because i think one of the things that caught me off guard is what genre it was 
okay. like halfway through. And I liked that. It like it was a nice surprise. So if you haven't seen it, you should see it. But Stephen King said visceral horror to rival Alien and early Cronenberg. Watch it, but not alone. <laughs> Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project, the old one, the original one. He said one thing about the Blair Witch, the damn thing looks real. Another thing about Blair Witch, the damn thing feels real. And because of it, because it does, it's like the worst nightmare you've ever had. The one you woke from gasping and crying with relief because you thought you were buried alive and it turned out the cat jumped on your bed and went to sleep on your chest. Yeah, you know you know what's funny about the Blair Witch, the original one? I think I may have mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the one time, and I'm not joking around, that after I watched it in the theater, I saw it at Mills Mall. And I literally cried on the way home because it was so fucking scary. Really? Yeah, because I couldn't believe what I had saw. <laughs> and that's yeah. did it spark your interest in the paranormal? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, par- partly. That's interesting. It, it was just so like my mind had exploded because I didn't really, I didn't know if it was real or if it wasn't, and you know, uh, right. I hadn't done any studies in the paranormal. But yeah, it was really that insanely good at the time. Dude, I remember the first time I watched Blair Witch. Like this is back when pirating became big. And, like, my brother got, like, a copy from his computer class, and it was laying on the desk, and I was, like, fucking 2 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I started watching it. Dude, I, I've never been so scared in my life. I stayed up all night. Masturbating? My parents went, yeah, dude, I tried to, just to forget. It's like a... <laughs> like, just to comfort myself, like, you know? Like, like, it's oh, okay. Like, oh, pet yourself, you know? Feel better. <laughs> but, That's uh, not ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> That's dude. not the Blair Witch tears. <laughs> Um, like so I was up all night until my parents left and I swear to god like I heard like something open and slam in my kitchen I go into the kitchen it's a fucking kitchen knife on the fucking counter I like literally ran out of my house called my dad from the phone the, the took it from the base cuz we didn't have cell phones back then Wow <laughs> Did they put you uh, in a jacket? They wanted to. <laughs> they really wanted to. My dad was like, "Really?" He's like, "This really? shit ain't real." But it was, I mean, like at the time, we they never really, I mean, they have done found footage movies, but the original movie that did the first found footage was not exactly big. Right. It was, but it was older than than most people that watched it or knew about it. It wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't a horror movie, first of all. Uh, one of the other movies that he said uh, is Crimson Peak. He says, was treated to a screening of Guillermo del Toro's new movie, Crimson Peak, this weekend. Gorgeous and just fucking terrifying. Uh, love your frankness there, uh, Steven. Uh, Steven. Steven? <laughs> Hello, Steven. Steven. I love you, Steven. You're no, a very good person, yes. Number four says, Dawn of the Dead, uh, from 2004. He says, genius, perfected, would be Zack Snyder's Dawn remake, which begins with one of the best opening sequence of a horror film ever made. Oh, dude, totally. And it totally is. It is fantastic. It was so good that they put out 10 minutes ahead of time so that people could watch the movie and get excited about it. Yeah, and it's one of the Oh, first... that's the one with the little girl yeah. in front of the bed, right? Yeah, well, she does, yeah. Well, she's in the hallway. Right, right. Uh, but he says, he, for, he continues on, he says, Snyder's zombies are, it seems to me, fast-moving terrorists who never quit. You can't debate with them. You can't parlay with them. You can't even threaten their homes and families with the reprisals. All you can do is shoot them in and then steer clear of the twitchers. Remember that their bite is worse than fatal. Pretty pretty nice uh, glowing re- uh, review there. Yeah. Uh, number five, Deep Blue Sea, he said, directed by the ever-popular <laughs> Rennie Harlan, who could potentially turn Heidi into an action flick. 
This movie about genetically engineered sharks, you could say, isn't up to the very much until, at the most unexpected point of the film, one of the Super Makos rears up and bites Samuel Jackson in half. Yes! He, I screamed out loud, and I treasure any horror movie that can make me do that. Uh, number six, The Descent. He says, if it were to pick another movie to analyze closely, it would be this remarkably remarkable story of the six women who go on a caving expedition and encounter a race of subhumans who resemble del toro's pale man (laughs) now that i think about it what gives the movie its resonance is how the women play against each other their very real resentments and secrets allow us to believe the monsters in a way that most horror movies do not i never tire of saying this in successful creep shows it's not the effects and mostly not even the monsters that scare us if we invest in the people, we invest in the movie and in our own essential dis- decency. Yeah, and this is the kind of film, too. If, if you are claustrophobic in any way, shape, or form, do not watch this movie. Right. It's going to fuck you up real bad. It, well, it is a good movie. I don't even own it. Number seven, Event Horizon. Basically a Lovecraftian terror tale in outer space with the, with the Quartermass experiment vibe done by the Brits. The plot's messy, but the visuals are stunning, and there's an authentic sense of horrors too great to comprehend just beneath the eponymous event horizon. Number eight, Final Destination. I love all these movies with their elaborate Rube Goldberg setups. It's like watching R-rated splatter versions of the old Roadrunner cartoons, but only the first is genuinely scary with its grim insistence that you can't beat the Reaper when your time is up. It's up. uh, uh, And also, uh, the original um, Final Destination was actually written as a uh, uh, X-Files episode. Oh, I think I remember you saying that, yeah. yeah. It didn't get produced into an X-Files episode and wind up being a movie. Well, so, well <laughs> lucky them, huh? Right. <laughs> and the original uh, Final Destination, wasn't the Candyman making an appearance? What? Like, the guy at the morgue, wasn't he? Oh, what? Tony Todd? Tony Todd, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Candyman? He's not in the fucking movie. <laughs> He's not in the truck but he selling, is. selling candies to kids. Let's see here. We got number nine, the Hitcher 2007 version, apparently. Uh, Rucker Hauer in the original will yeah. never be topped, but this is that rarity, a reimagining that actually works, and Sean Bean is great uh, in the role Hauer originated. Do we really need this film? No, but it's great to have it, and the existential theme of many great horror films. Terrible things can happen to good people at any time, has never been so clearly stated. Number 10, The Last House on the Left remake, 2009. Fantastic. I love it. I think it's good. It, it, I, I even like I, I Spit on Your Grave, too. I didn't mind that either. Dude, The Last House re- remake did something that I wasn't expecting. There's a rape scene in that movie that right. is fucking hardcore. It is, and it is like, pretty unsettling. Like You need to like check your fucking shit at the door when you watch it. Yeah, well, and, it, it, and I honestly feel like it's... A good thing because it makes you hate the characters that oh, much oh, more. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. So that when they die, it's like, yes. Like, it just, it it strikes that primal anger in you. And I think people get upset about, getting upset about that rape scene in that movie is a little weird because it's supposed to make you angry. Oh, yeah. And that's that's when you know that a movie's done something right yeah. or an actor's done something right. Have you ever noticed when people are like, oh, I don't like that actor because I hated him in this movie? Yeah. Like, and, and I was like, well, did he act well? It was amazing. Well, that's why you hate him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Exactly, and, exactly. And that's because he did an amazing job or she yeah. did an amazing job of making you hate them. Right. That means that's a good actor and that's a good role. Kind of so. like how Walking Dead got all that flack for killing fucking um, Abraham and. Uh, oh, 
Like, everybody was butthurt, and then they started bitching. Nobody about- cared about Abraham. They were all worried about fucking Glenn, dude. Well, right, Abraham. And, well, Abraham was my favorite Glenn character. Glenn the droopy eye. Right. <laughs> what he said here is Last House on the Left, 2009. The best horror movie of the new century. The Dennis Aletis version it's, is to the original what a mature artist's painting is to the drawing of a child who shows some gleams of talent. The 2009 Last House is the most brutal and uncompromising film to play. American movie theaters since Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. 11, The Mist. The ending will tear your heart out, but so will life in the end. Frank Darabont's version of Hell is completely uncompromising. If you want sweet, the Hollywood establishment will be pleased to serve you at the Cineplex, believe me. But if you want something that feels real, come here. Darabont could have made a higher budget film if he'd had added a cheerful, it's all okay, buddies, ending. But he refused. His integrity and courage shine in every scene. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. Oh, dude, totally. When I watched that movie, I thought of nothing but Half-Life. Oh, yeah. I just yeah, wanted to totally. see that dude, come straight to up, life. Yeah, it's exa- probably inspired by the book. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or the short story, I should say. Another movie I remember back in the day that he mentions, this is number 12 of the 15, is The Ruins. And it actually isn't a bad movie. I don't remember it being bad, but I don't know why I didn't pick it up. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um... The Scott B. Smith scripted ad- adaptation of his novel isn't quite as creepy as the book, but the sense of dismay and disquiet grows as the viewer begins to sense that no one's going to get away. With its cast mostly unknowns, this would play well on a double bill with Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. Number 13, Stir of Echoes. Writer-directed David Cope should be declared a national treasure, His adaptation of Richard Matheson's 1958 novel is an unsettling exploration of what happens when an ordinary blue-collar guy, Kevin Bacon, starts to see ghosts, thanks to a hypnotic suggestion. Number 14, The Strangers, an orchestration of growing disquiet and horror as a young couple, Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman, are set up upon a trio of amassed psychotics. It starts slowly and builds from unease to terror to horror. Why is this happening? Just because it is. Like cancer, stroke, or someone going the wrong way of the turnpike at 110 miles an hour. Which, it really is a good movie. Oh, it's, dude, it creeped and, me out. And this is the one that I was... <laughs> that I always mention. Uh, 15, <laughs> The Witch. And this is all he said about it. And this is enough that sold me to go to the theater. The Witch scared the hell out of me, and it's a real movie. Tense and thought-provoking as well as visceral. Not as glowing as you would think, but one last thing I didn't, I forgot to write down on our notes here that I wanted to mention is that it's, there was another article they were talking about The Walking Dead had to tone back the first yeah, six episodes was, yeah. of the really? show, of this season. Because it was too hardcore? Because of the first episode. Because people got all butt hurt. Oh, you killed Glenn. So essentially they helped cause censorship within art. Jesus. We so, don't kill my so favorite dumb. character. Yeah, like, dude. All right, if Get you're listening yourself. and you're offended by a movie that a show that's a drama uh, that includes gore, then stop watching, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, dude. this isn't Sound of Music, you fucking moron. <laughs> and I guaranteed if they would have followed that 
like they did in the comic book, it would have been ten times worse. Do you know they what? They try to tone it down for you people, and you guys still don't fucking dude, get it. It's fucking art, dude. Like right. nothing is real. Nothing has happened. It's not changing anything. We already know that video games don't kill people. We already know that books don't kill people. Mental disease and things, other things that people fucking go wrong in their head are what kill people. Right. You don't need to fucking worry about some content. It's the people that can't take in fake reality and perceive it to be real. Like, I'm not trying to put down anybody that can't understand the difference between the two. Please don't mistake my words. There are a lot of people out there with mental illness, and I totally understand and support them in their fucking struggle. But when it comes to something like this, stop, dude. Fucking stop censoring shit. Like, with your fucking whiny bullshit, You're dude. ruining stuff for us. Yes. You're just like, ruining it. You know what you should do when you see something you don't like? Well, I'm done watching it. And then walk the fuck away, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Don't ruin it for Pretty us, people who still watch the show. Yeah, if you're upset, go fucking cry into a pillow for an hour, and then fucking jerk off and go to sleep, okay? Ah, like and a never regular watch American. The show again. Jesus Which Christ. is like a Tuesday night for I me. fucking hate that, dude. dude. It pisses me off. It pisses me off, too, dude. Dude, that's like, it's like secondhand fucking censorship, dude. I know, I and know. And they allowed it. They should, have been, they should have been better at it. And first of all, I've already lost interest in the show this season. I'm, I don't even care. But... In the same regard, when it comes to censorship of art, fuck you. Right. <laughs> fuck both of them. Like, you know, whoever was pushing them and and they felt like they had to cut it, like, it wasn't that big a deal. Everybody takes everything on the goddamn internet and thinks it's the biggest fucking disaster since fucking whatever, which is great when you could communicate with a corporation that's doing shitty it shit. It was totally a snowball But it's effect. stupid when it comes to stuff like this. Right. Right, but I think it was totally a snowball effect, you know what I mean? Right. Like, four or five people complained about it online, and then everybody else was like, yeah, that's how I feel, too. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so angry. <laughs> get I'm angry. not really angry, it's just angry. ranting. It's just ranting. Right. So what are your fucking news articles? So let's get... <laughs> I got uno. You guys watch Attack on Titan? Huh? Anything? I have not watched it. You've been no. begging me to I, for I, years. I, I know oh, what I it is. I have not watched it. So... Attack on Titan is pretty much just this amazing anime or manga, whichever one you started first. So I which started, one started first? Was it the it anime? It was the manga that started first, and okay. then they built an anime off of it. A season. Right, Which is a like season. how many episodes? Uh, oh, shit, how much was it? It was either 15 or 22. That's really? how normal animes go. They're usually anywhere from 15 Are you sure to 22 it's that episodes. Long? I thought you said it was like five episodes. No, no, no. Attack on Titan's definitely I haven't seen that. it, so I don't know. Warner Brothers is allegedly buying the rights for Attack on Titan to make a remake. Hopefully it's better than what Japan did because it's pretty shitty. The movies? The, the oh, movies, they, yeah. They did they a two-part two? movie, yeah. 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 They did you, a two-part you know, the, movie. The, the live action Attack yeah. on Titan? Yeah, the okay. live action. And, I mean, some of the visuals are good. But the characters suck. It, it, it just sucked. I mean, when you make it a point to make something an essential like part of your plot like one of the plot lines is is that there is no more asian people or japanese people right it's mainly white people and english people <laughs> like to be of asian descent or japanese descent is supposed to be a rarity and in there's the only one japanese girl in the whole anime right, everybody so, else so is you're like talking American. about the live action right now no this is the anime oh okay they negated all that with the live action movies it's just one of those major plot Whatever. lines that i was like well how are you going to make that a linchpin of your story and then just negate that when you come out with the movie and and it's like it's so funny because 
usually Eastern movie makers and stuff like that try to appeal to a English demographic. Yeah, a Western demographic. Yeah, like a Western demographic. So it's like you had it and you didn't even use it. Right. And I mean, <laughs> I just think about all the people they could have got for this fucking role. And people would have been dying to they do probably, it. It's, well, all of it is like extremely CGI. So they, right. I think a lot of it was done in the studio. Oh, for sure. Probably. Well, it's not try? confirmed yet, but Warner Brothers is trying to buy the rights to make a remake. Okay. So they were like, you did a shitty job. We're going to do it better. Right. Well, I still need to watch the show and I hear they got a season two coming out. Oh, yeah. It's coming out. I mean, it's been fucking almost three years in the making now. Now, I'll definitely try to get on that and watch it. But anyway. There's a new show coming out actually called Santa Clarita Diet. And it's it's a Netflix original show. Okay. So, so it's going to be one of those shows where they're going to dump like an entire season all at once. Perfect. Which is cool. And what's cool about it is it's... Um, Binge. Binge. Yeah. Drew Barrymore and Tim Oliphant. Yeah. And I, I really dig Tim Oliphant. He's really fucking cool. But it's about if granted, I've only watched a couple trailers and read a few things. But what it sounds like is they're real estate agents, and Drew Barrymore becomes like a not quite a zombie, uh, where she's like not rotting, but she's not alive, but she's not dead, and she needs to consume humans and flesh so, to stay alive. Is it like I Zombie or something? It's similar. I can see that. So what they need to do is uh, the two of them decide to kill people that need to be killed. They're like, we need to kill people that deserve to die. In order to uh, have her consume them to stay alive, it's a horror comedy uh, TV show. Okay, it looks like it's going to be kind of like it's uh, tongue in cheek. It'll probably have some gore. Like in the trailer, there's a sequence where they're trying to like get rid of like a, a bunch of body parts. They have all this. They have a cooler and they're trying to bury them, and they're digging a hole to like bury the body parts. But and then like a, a car comes in the distance. They're like, oh shit, oh shit, fucking hurry up! And they spill them all over the place, and they get it all over themselves. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, they're all bloody. They're like, just act natural, act, act natural, like this is normal. And so it's uh, it's it's gonna be like uh, maybe like uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. I mean, it, it looks it looks cool. It's coming out. What I like most about it is because it's Netflix, so they're gonna drop the entire series, right? Which, I, which is cool. It, binging is good and bad because it puts a lot of pressure on the production companies that actually, or the the distribution companies or whatever yeah. that put out the move the shows to like pump another one out, right? But it seems like the nostalgia and everything of the first experience of people binging on it does better. From people binging it because they are able to en- envelop themselves in the story instead of forget about what they and like wait a week. Yeah, you know. See, what I, mean? I don't. I'm not like that at all. With I like that more because I like to build up the story in my head Fuck and that, the anticipation. That in gets my head. on my nerves, dude. <laughs> There's sometimes when I watch a show and I'll wait like three weeks to watch it. Because I'm like, I've already gotten past the... Uh, the but then you forget about the subtleties that you liked. Well, I get past the the fiendy style. Like, I'm fiending for it. Like, immediately, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to see the next episode. And then I get this, like, internal struggle where it's, like, denial. And then it's, like, anger. And then it's, like, you know, like, the, all the addiction things. And then <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I, uh, fuck you, show. You're not even on yet. <laughs> and then I just fucking say, well, fuck you. I'm not going to watch you for the next three weeks. And then I binge on, like, three episodes. And then I'm like, I get ready. I watch it right before the fourth. So I have four episodes to watch in a row so I can soak that motherfucker up. Dude, I I love binging so much. That's it for the news. The news. All right, guys. Now it's time for the brand new segment called Grave Plots. We're not sure we're going to keep this song, but we hope you enjoy the segment Grave Plots nonetheless. 
Hey guys, now we're going to be doing, you might have just heard the intro. Um, if, uh, yeah, but uh, we got a, a new uh, segment that we're going to be doing. Yeah, so go ahead and get one hand free, because <laughs> it's going to get really hot in here. We're basically going to be doing a, uh, it's called Grave Plots, as you might have heard. What we're going to do is we come up with, like, names, okay, for titles of movies. And these are just, like, obligatory names that we just come up with the top of our head. And now each of us did two each, and yeah. we folded them up into tiny little pieces of paper, and we dropped them in the cup. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're supposed to do is once we hear the name, the person who wrote it of the three of us can't speak about it right off the bat. And the other two have to come up with the idea, <laughs> and then later that person who wrote it can chime in too. Yeah. But initially, it has to be the other two that didn't write it and do it. Now, essentially, what we're trying to do is if you like this segment, you guys can come up with ideas and maybe we'll attach contests to them. But in either case, we're going to give you a shout out and, you know, and thank you for fucking being a part of the fucking show. Oh, for sure, dude. Everybody has a chance to be a unique snowflake. It's actually a really cool idea, man. I really dig this kind no, of exercise. No, I think it's great. And, it's and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't yeah. actually my idea, by the way. I don't know if I said that. I'm just like running with it. But Freddie... My buddy Freddie, who we're, uh, you probably know, it's been a while since you've seen him because he moved away for a long period of time. I probably don't. But his name is Freddie Abram Seelinger. But um, yeah, he and I were talking. He's one of the guys that's probably going to help us out with doing like some of the artwork for our channel and everything like that. And he hit me up and he was like, hey, man, he was like telling me all this stuff about the cover and stuff that he wanted to do when he has time. And then he was like, hey, you know, I've noticed that no one's ever used the name Slaycation in a movie. <laughs> and then we started like talking about what that movie would be. So we started talking about the time frame. Like it was at a cabin in the woods. It was like summer camp and it was like set in the eighties and like, this is what would happen. This yeah. is how people died and that's everything goes, like dude. that. So that's what we're essentially going to do. So now we have a cup here. It's an, uh, actually, it technically is an athletic supporter. (laughs) (laughs) But we have a cup here and we're going to let one of them choose. So I'm going to pick a number. I'm going to pick a number between one and 10. Whoever's closest gets to pick. So go ahead. Six. Three. Patrick gets it. Oh, I'm a seven. it's all good. All so right. what's actually happening right now is Patrick is reaching his hand into Alex's cup, and he's feeling around to see what he can find. Oh, wait. I don't like that one. <laughs> what's that one? He's all not right. finding anything. That's what's going on. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. The Mr. Jingles Show. Mr. Jiggles Show. Oh, is it Jiggles? Yeah, I came up with that one. Okay. The Jiggles. The Mr. Jingle Jiggles Show. The Mr. Jiggles Show. So, so what does the Mr. Jiggles Show mean to you? When I, why don't you go first? It I know like it, it's going to be a TV show like, uh, like what we have back in the day, like where you had the, the clown guy on TV during the like, day. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like but fucking it, uh, bozo. Like the bozo the clown, Mr. Okay. Jiggles Show, and it could be something. I mean, I don't know where you could go with it, but it could be something like. Uh, uh, I mean, you could go all different directions because it's still kind of vague, but it could be like the clown is a killer, he's a rapist, whatever. But I like it, the idea of being that like a TV show about uh, he collects his victims via the show. Okay, like what do you mean exactly? See, well, I, go, we go ahead. No, I was oh. going to say I like that idea, but I was going to say what if it's more like someone like Bozo, 
who was a syndicated TV show who had lost his due to some kind of kind of like the Mister Smoochie. Yeah, like he Smoochie lost his show by some kind of thing that some abrupt outbreak that he had, and it With got like, press, and he lost his show. But and then he continues the show in his cellar or something, and then he he ooh, goes out and finds contestants and shit. That's I good, like that's that. That's good. I dig on that. What do you think? You think that's a good idea? No, it is. It is cool because it's like. Uh, Shit, I need to think on more of it, but that is pretty cool. I, so he I, has like his own TV show in the basement because he's lost his mind. Right. Because everything that he cared about is gone now. Oh, right, um, right, almost, exactly. Almost like he has his whole uh, empire set up, he loses it, and then he, he's so obsessed with getting it back that he has to do it on his own, and he can't get it any other way uh, other than doing it on his own in his basement. Right. But it's to nobody at first. Oh, yeah. And then he starts craving a little extra. And so he's married. He does this maybe in his basement. Is he married or is he not? What do you think? He's not married. He's, he's not, not married. married. So he's, he's alone. He lives by himself. Yeah, he's totally alone. Okay. What time frame are we talking about here? Like what? What era would be a good era? I don't know that like, they're really. I I don't think. I really like eighties. So I would like to stick. In I, that. I could do eighties. I could do eighties. Okay. So it's like one of those happy fun time shows that they used to do in the eighties. He gets fired. He loses his job. He goes crazy. He works in his basement, sets oh. up this makeshift fucking TV show with seats and everything. And then he realizes that he wants kids to watch the show. Right. Oh, and he- maybe he like got mannequins for like the audience. For at the beginning. <laughs> right, right. And then like he got like a string or something to make him clap. Okay. <laughs> I-, I was gonna say, what if you uh, go along the lines of uh uh John Wayne Gacy? Okay. You know, because Gacy was a clown and, and he used his clown persona to, you know... Entrap uh, people. Yeah, entrap kids and then uh, kill them out of his Well, no, I agree. I think that that's the way it should be. Like, suddenly he gets... He, like, needs more than doing a performance for himself. So he goes out and finds kids to sit with him. So, so then it would be something where, like... Uh, Maybe he's a guy who had a show, uh, and he was already like uh, dabbling in uh, serial killing. He loses his show. He does the show. I don't think he's a serial killer right off the bat. No, it, okay. it, it takes well, the I think loss he, it's, of this everything. This is the development. The well, what's what's tough about serial killing is like it starts early. Right. So it, it, it isn't. You're not going to become a serial killer. Serial killer in your forties. Fair enough. But yeah. but maybe we don't know his backstory until okay. like the okay. third okay. sequel. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just saying. No, but it's cool. So so the guy is. Uh, he has a show. He loses his show. He's a killer. Maybe he's been killing on the sly. Uh, he uh, starts doing it on his own in his basement, public access maybe, uh, to entrap kids maybe. Maybe you know. Maybe he tries his hand at doing like clown work at he tr- first. He tries his hand and, on and his then own he gets, cock. He gets fired. Maybe that's how he gets sick of kids. Like he's tired of kids throwing cake at him. But do we like... need to pick a clown? Does he? He needs to be something a little more original. I think. I, I mean, with a name like this, Mr. I mean, Jiggles. Yeah. yeah. Who else are you gonna be? be well, hey, unless, unless it's a transitioning dude. Like... <laughs> or maybe it's somebody who <laughs> likes to jiggle. Like it could be Mr. Jiggles the cat. Or maybe someone like I just think like if it's not he's a clown, but maybe he likes to like jiggle like infants like genitalia. I think it needs to be more original than a clown, though. <laughs> it has to be more original than a clown. I know, but but, but when you use the word jiggles, it, you it it automatically go to takes you clowns. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well if that's where you want to take it. I'm trying to make a good movie here, and you guys are shitting on the idea. Actually, I think it's a great idea so far. Yeah. Okay, so continue. 
So what happens once, okay, so how does he get the kids? Like, what are some instances that happen that you start to see? Okay, like, for example, like, one of the things I see him doing is that he gets upset that nobody's actually watching. And he comes to the conclusion, he loses a little bit of the but delusion. But who's watching? Because he had a show, but when, lost That's it. what I'm saying. In his basement, he starts to lose the appeal of, like, this delusion that he's living in. So then he goes up into his room, and what does he do to himself that makes you start to wonder, like, he's really dark? Like, other than the fact that he's got mannequins that are waving and shit like that. Right. Like, what? There's got to be some, like, dark thing that he does. You're talking about, like, kind of, like, Silence of the Lambs? Like, maybe he's, like, putting lipstick on his lips all slowly Yeah, like, something shit. unique about that, but different than, than something that's already been done. Right. Like, what would be a, a, an original idea? Like, I think maybe, like, he wakes up in the middle of the night dreaming about his job or something like that. And then he masturbates and goes back to sleep or something crazy. You know, like something yeah. a little dark. No, I know. But realistic. You know, that I do like the idea of him maybe, like, pleasing or masturbating to something. Maybe he's masturbating to old episodes of his show. Maybe he dreams about his brother that passed away when he was a kid. And trying to make him happy because he was dying of cancer or something. And so he thinks back to that time and is trying to make other kids happy. And that's why it was so important to him as the show. Right. And that's why he started to go crazy because he felt like he was connecting with his brother by doing this. Or maybe, I like that idea, like the whole reason why he's trying to make kids happy. Right. That he he starts doing like the like the side gigs as doing like birthday clowns and shit like that. Okay. And then kind of figures but out what pieces of shit these, these kids actually are that he thinks that he needs to rid the world of these. Anybody that's not like his bro- brother. Right. And maybe he goes back to these kids that he did birthdays before. Because kids nowadays are darker than they were before. Right. And then he goes back to his roster of like the birthdays that he did and remembers those kids and singles them out to make them happy. To bring him to the show, right. Right. So what, Mike? What do you think? You're the torture guy. Oh, I know. So well, come on. It's, I'm, I'm just, my mind's going crazy. There's a, uh, it's, <laughs> well, this uh, is good. This is improv. No, this no is... it's fantastic, man. So it's, uh, what was the title again that you had? It was the Mr. Jingles show. Jiggles. Jiggles. Jingles. Mr. I just want to keep Jiggles. saying Jingles. Jiggles. Jingles is Jiggles. the clown name. Well, that's Jiggles, why... you know what? Jiggles sounds very pornographic Mr. Jiggles, anyways. like fat titties, like flopping right. around. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. It could easily... So the guy's overweight, right? <laughs> We're going to say he's overweight. Well, if, well it's like this. If, if it's a comedy, it could easily be a like a stripper kind of thing. But we're already leaning towards the, the darker cl- side, the clown kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. It's 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 tough. There's a lot of really dark shit you could do. So let's let's picture this. Okay. So he finally gets the idea that he wants to go out and get this kid. He goes to one of the places uh, that they fired him from to get one of the kids, and he lowers him out. What does he do to the kid? How does he get him? Like, what does he do? Like, how does he bring the kid back? Like, is there a story there? Oh, like how he gets the kid to come back? Yeah, we got to get, like, the first abduction story. I would say, uh, I would say magic. Magic? I don't mean actual, like, like, Hadouken or whatever, like, kind of magic. <laughs> Hadouken! <laughs> so he's not in his clown makeup this time. I, I, I think it needs to be, like, because uh, John Wayne Gacy, because it's... Well, I'm, wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. Say again. What's up? So, 
how are you going to lure the kid into the car if you're just some guy? Well, maybe he doesn't lure him. Maybe he hits him. Maybe he, like, what do we do? Like, what's the, we got to talk about at least well, the first Well, this is a guy who obviously had a show that was syndicated and probably beloved by millions of children. So why wouldn't he dress up like the clown to lure him into the car? What oh, if, what okay. if, oh, go, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was saying, he wouldn't, if, if this is the situation, he wouldn't be in costume, but in order to, like, entice the child, he would be in normal clothes, but he would put his nose on. Or something like, hey, I'm a nice guy. You like clowns? Here's my nose. <laughs> Here's my nose. <laughs> what if, okay, and this is a little darker, because his brother was dying of cancer, right? We figured that out. What if he goes to a hospital to cheer his kids up, but they kick him out? And so he starts stalking kids in the hospital somehow by sneaking in at night. Wait, kids that are already dying? That are sick. No, I think I'd like it better the other way. But I don't know. I was just trying to get an angle here. His brother's died of cancer, and he fucking wants... You're, you're ruining everything His now, brother Alex. was like an angel to him. <laughs> so what do we have so far? Okay, so, so far, he worked at a, a job where he was an entertainer. We're not sure if he was a clown at that place or not. He goes to his house. He gets fired for some reason, probably. I don't know why. For some, like, they just don't, he's not doing as popular as they thought. And he's already a, kind of a child molester kind or of Or right. maybe, or maybe, like you were saying before, his 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 I brother want, dying I, I, from cancer, right? Right. And he's trying to bring this kid on who maybe has cancer, kind of like a, a la, like one of those wish things, those wish foundations. Make and wish. they totally negate that kid and bring some other dude on. That was maybe like a producer's kid or... Well, no, but because he's already been fired. Why would he be fired if they're doing that? Well, maybe this could lead to his outbreak where he's like, fuck you guys then, fuck this. Hmm. I don't know. I like the fact that he was working for this school or for this company. He gets fired. The reason that he was doing the show in the first place is because his... his, his uh... But I guess you're right. I guess that makes sense. Because if his brother had cancer and he was an angel to him and he died, right? then there was a piece of innocence that died in him that he was trying to keep alive by doing the show. right? And so he was trying to help other people be happy because he didn't want to lose them like he lost his brother. He gets fired. He goes to his basement, throws a party for himself, pretty much, with mannequins and shit like that. With like one lonely cupcake with one candle on it. He realizes <laughs> that the delusion's not strong enough to keep him happy. For himself, so he decides that he's going to have an audience. So he goes out and gets kids. Where does he get these kids from? That's what I'm saying. It's either I want to say like like the first I thing that comes I know to Mike my mind. wants to turn it into he's got all these problems and this is why he got to this point. I kind of want to paint him as like a really nice guy and that you don't realize that he has problems that they don't that we don't divulge right off the bat until later. Uh, that's a cool. That, that's a very cool idea, but that's that's a more of a complex idea. Well, maybe that's so. harder to develop. You think? I, I, no, I think it is. Well, if, from what I'm looking at right I now, I like that, to have flashbacks and like he starts like, it's like him killing people, but he doesn't realize that he's actually done these things. Yeah, right. That's very cool, but that's more difficult. Well, what, what if not, we do it not like bad. this? I'm saying, that's but actually, wait, this it's, is it's, a makeup movie. Oh, I know, right. but it's really cool. But yeah, that's a little more difficult. So, so what if we make it like this? Since he is so attached to kids. Somehow, like what you said for, through his brother or something, that he just loves the innocence. That somehow, when he loses his job, he goes back to like maybe drive a school bus, and then maybe mm. one day he's, he's an entertainer. Why would he drive a school bus? Well, because he he lost his job. Maybe he works security, and he still to... wants to be around children. I guess. 
What if he works at like a Walmart as a security guy? Like a greeter or something? Or something like that. <laughs> and then he meets kids and then he watches him go out and then he kidnaps them or something like that on his break or something. On his break? Yeah, I'm going to take a quick smoke break. He goes out. He's like, hey, I got some free shit out back. And then he like. I got a huffy in my van. He like covers their mouth and then they can't find the kids. But he's the security guy, maybe. And that's he's out looking for the kid, right? He's the guy that's helping out. And he's like, I couldn't find him. Yeah, I couldn't find him because he's in my trunk fucking knock the fuck out. I'm going to rape the shit out of him. Well, he doesn't rape kids. That's not his thing. Oh, he wants to help kids. So, yeah. So, uh, let, let's do this. Uh, can we pull another one and try it? No. Ah. Uh, we got to do this one and finish it. We got to we kind of come up with the first abduction, what he does with the other kids that he does get, and then how it ends. And then we'll be done. Okay. It's tough because it doesn't have to be perfect. Oh, I know, but it literally makes uh, you know you're gonna make me stay up for like three hours, four hours in the middle of the night <laughs> right. thinking about this. <laughs> it just gotta be a story. It's, it's, be it's gonna be awesome. And then next episode, I'm gonna be like, "This is my plot for your fucking movie." <laughs> if he adores kids, if he adores kids, why would he kill them? He wouldn't kill them. Well, it, so but he gets he frustrated kill? that they're what not if, happy. Uh, what if it's like of mice and men, where he's like, you know, petting the <laughs> <laughs> little Lenny? <laughs> I would think that he would be the type of guy that he loves kids so much because he thinks of them like his brother. So he doesn't hurt them. But when he realizes that they're not as angelic like his brother was, he gets angry and frustrated inside. So then he starts punishing them in ways to make them happy. But that doesn't work. So then something happens and and that's what the end of the story is. The final straw. Right. Right. So what would that final straw so be? What, we don't want to go to the final straw. We still haven't figured out why he's abducting or how he's abducting or who he's abducting. Well, we figured out the why. No, well, we got that. So so who's the first candidate? It doesn't have to be perfect, guys. We're just going to come up with something. Well, it, so you're trying to figure out why he's abducting or how is he abducting? No, we got that. We He just wants to find somebody to, to do his party. This is all we know about in the movie. Okay. So why, the first kid that he gets, who does he pick? Does he work as a clown for a little bit of time beforehand because he can't be an entertainer? Well, if he's a clown who's a serial killer or a guy who's killing people, uh, well, there's well, there's different types of killers. Uh, serial killer, a spree killer. If he's a serial killer, that's what it sounds like. He's probably going to be uh, casing his victims. Yeah, a little bit more methodical. Yeah. So he gets fired from his clown job, uh, a couple of different things, and then he gets fired from the clown agency or whatever. That he's trying to work for, right? Well, so then he goes back to the house because he's angry that they're not happy with his performance and his entertainment. And maybe they go back to his childhood house that yeah. him and his brother grew up in. Or no, or the house that he got kicked out of, the first one that he does a clown performance for. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So you see what I'm saying? He goes back to the house and he's stewing in the car. Why didn't he do this right? He's angry at himself because he didn't make the kid happy. So he's like frustrated and going crazy in the car. And he sees the kid go out and maybe like ride his bike or play basketball or whatever the fuck. I like that idea and I don't like it because you kind of limited it to like maybe three kills tops. No, we're just picking the first one. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just anything. Like, how does he pick this kid off? It doesn't have to be his his uh, M.O. for the whole thing. Right. It just has to be his first victim. So, oh, you said we're looking at uh, how he does his first kill? Not his first kill, his modus operandi for picking a kid to make him put him in the audience. To just be in the audience or actual to Just kill? to be in the audience. To kill. Not oh, even oh. participate. Well, it, it, I, I look at it as, the, this is the way I look at it. 
He's trying to have an audience of kids to entertain. He's not trying to kill these kids. He just gets frustrated that they're not entertained because he goes down this dark spiral and they, and he's doing something dark, but he doesn't realize it because he thinks he's trying to make them happy. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, okay, here's one of my thoughts. And you guys can stop this whenever you want. Just interrupt me and tell me shut the fuck up. <laughs> so what I'm thinking, like I was saying before, his brother died from cancer, obviously. He was really attached to his brother. Okay. And so he's doing this show. When he was a kid, he died of cancer. When he was a kid, right. Yeah, and right. this is what inspired him to be an And then he has a chance when he's doing this show to make it, this uh, maybe a kid who has cancer, his life a little bit better for however much time he has left. And put him on the show. But he gets bumped because it's a producer's kid who wants to be on the show who really likes it. No, you're so, you're making it way too complicated. That's not complicated. We already decided that he got kicked off the show. It doesn't matter how. He just but, got kicked off the show, and then he's trying to make an audience. Maybe he gets canceled from ratings. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Right, yeah. That, you right, don't so want to make it too complicated. Aside, but I think it needs to be kind of a thing where... Like he brings them on as a contestant, like the Bozo Show, where he, they have to do a, 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 a you know different kind of games and shit to win prizes. Is this before or after? I thought we were already passed this point. No, this is leading to his first kill. He got kicked out of a job. It doesn't matter how. We'll figure that out later. He goes to his basement, upset. His brother had died, so he wants to make an audience. He performs for himself for long periods of time by himself, does weird things up in his bedroom, comes back down, realizes that there's not an audience, gets upset with himself, goes out, finds a kid. Where does he find the kid? Let's go there. So he finds a kid probably at like a playground or something. Okay. So does he just, this is just some random kid at first because he's random kid. Right. Okay. So what does he do? He goes to the playground and what? And then he had. Maybe entices a kid with candy or That's, promises of something. I say tricks. Maybe tricks or magic tricks. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, candy's over here. Like no, maybe, like, here. kind That's of good. like I like. So Mike said, yeah, kind of like. like so we're it. gonna go with that. So maybe he's sitting by the water fountain trying to figure out how he's gonna do this. Right. Like how he's gonna take this kid or lure him or or in his mind maybe just make the kid happy. So he's sitting by the water fountain and he's like doing this playing with his cards. And then some kid goes to the bathroom by oh, the water it, it fountain. Should, it should be close up magic with like candy or coins. Sure. Like he's like, whatever it is, like a oh, coin. Oh, yeah. Or, it's, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Just, but he's doing magic. Yeah. And then the kid comes to go to the bathroom. He follows the kid in and tries to teach him a trick. Chloroform him or something. Yeah. He shows him a trick. And right. then something, the kid doesn't care and he's kind of rude to him. Right. So then he thinks back to his brother like, who's dying of cancer when he was a kid, and he gets upset. And so what does he do? So maybe he takes him back, and he's a contestant. What is this contestant thing? Like, they do little mini-games to win prizes. Like he did on his... I don't know what you're talking about. Like the show that he did previously. Like, he'd be trying to reenact his show in his basement. Oh, you're only saying he's playing the, uh, the Buffalo Bill... Yeah, like he's Bozo the Clown or something. Yeah, like in his basement, he has like a little seat set up and all these like corpses that he right. pulls and, strings and he's like... And oh, each yeah. contestant that he brings on and he kind of like realizes that he's just not happy, he kills them. But when he kills them, instead of the mannequins in the audience, he slowly replaces them with dead bodies. Mm. What do you think, Mike? Uh, or do, I, I like the torture aspect. Right, like where he's well, forcing well, the games the kids that they're doing. Happy. Let's look at the games that they're doing. 
are kind of like the games like so like you're saying saw. in his basement the contestant show is so it's the show in his basement because you're not being very clear about yeah it. it's the show in his basement there we okay. go yeah. See, yeah. that's what i didn't understand i'm sorry i'm totally sorry bro so, so he's sorry. reenacting this show in his basement but the games are t- way more twisted than they were it's almost like saw yeah like, like he has a big wheel that he has the contestant spin and it's like like mutilation, saw blade, and whatever, and and then like in between all the bad stuff, it's like happy stuff. <laughs> there you go. That'd like be good. build a fucking paper mache, whatever, or right. claymation movie, or whatever. But it has to be like one of those things where there's a dark twist to it, like where you think it's happy, but it's still not happy. Okay. What about you, Mike? What do you want to add to that? I don't know. Uh, it's it's a lot of stuff going on in my head right now, but it's pretty cool. Well, like, I, I, I like... so we've already established okay. we're okay. just agreeing to it just to kind of... Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a new segment. We're working on it, but right. it's still kind of cool. So so he's got a wheel. There's a lot of happy things on it and a lot of sad things on it. And he feels that maybe if they're good kids, it'll land on the good things. And if they're bad kids, it'll land on the bad things. Yeah, I don't know if it should be something where it lands on a good thing and it actually turns out to be a bad thing. Okay. Or if it lands on a good thing and he just like clicks it to a bad thing <laughs> i like that I like it or like he doesn't like how the kid's acting or something and so he just takes it upon himself to make it dark yeah it, well like, i think that would be like a progressive thing like at first he wants to make him happy so maybe he like switches it to happy oh yeah oh i was gonna say like if it's something where like uh there's all this fucked up stuff like cut off your leg you know, choke on a dick. Do you or think it should be that forward? I like the, I like the slow burn. Oh, I know, but uh, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, I was gonna say like, uh, it lands on a happy thing, but it's like make a mask. Like, oh, let's make a happy mask. But when he has the, the kid make the mask, it has no mouth. So when the kid wears it, he chokes to death because he can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is dark. Okay, so so the first victim that he gets, he gets from the playground. He does a magic trick in the bathroom. Uh, the kid doesn't like that he's cornering him in a way because he's being very aggressive magic and the kid's not <laughs> interested so he doesn't understand why. So he like hits the kid and pushes him out the back window in the in the in the in the uh the bathroom. Like okay. the little window. Right. He just chucks he he hits him really hard until he's bleeding, pushes him out the window, takes him home. Now he's like gonna watch the show. He realizes that the kid's not into it, so he starts going out and grabbing more kids, and then they start playing the spin the wheel thing, and things land on happy. He like tries to push it on happy all the time, so he tries to do these happy things. Mike said that he makes one of the kids a mask, but there's no mouth hole, and the kid dies, so he gets upset. Maybe he just starts hitting himself because he's upset the kid died. Right. Quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. Like He starts <laughs> punching himself and like, why, why, why? Like, I don't know. What do you think? No, I like that. Like, I, I, and then from there it would escalate, and he would obviously get more murders or right. kids and stuff. But then I would like to see, like, like you don't see the audience at all. You see it one time at the very beginning where it's all mannequins, right? And they're all like on it, some kind of like, mach- like string pulled machine where you just pull the string and all the arms start clapping and shit. But at the end, you see all the kids that he murdered, and they are now the audience. What if? Okay, I got an idea. Okay. okay. This is a little out there and it's a little like fuck you for tricking me kind of thing. What if in his mind he's actually going out and capturing kids, but in reality he's capturing mannequins or the vice versa. So he thinks he's going out I to like get that. mannequins, 
but he's actually going out and killing these kids. Right. And so he gets these, when he goes to sleep at night, he has these really bad visions of what he's done, and he doesn't really understand why. So by the end of the movie, you realize that he's actually been killing kids and they're not mannequins. Right. Oh, do I like it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like it. Something twisted like, it just needs something more like mental to me. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> I have the hiccups real bad. <laughs> Drink no, it up, buddy. That, that was pretty cool, man. Do you like that idea? No, it's. Uh, I know what you mean. It, it, it's a cool like uh, reversal at the end of a film. Right. Like I feel like if it yeah. was mannequins and he was just going about his normal day, and then would have like, these flashes of dark shit, like you'd start to wonder. Like it would start to slowly cross over from dream to reality, and yeah. then by the end of it, there's a whole room of fucking kids that are screaming, and some of them are dead. Like, it's dark. Like, even maybe he had flashbacks of, like, his show. And maybe it's not just, like, little kids. Right. Maybe it's just, like, adults. Because, honestly, if you were trying to make a movie with little kids doing that, it's going to be impossible. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say, like, uh, we kind of already went over this, but it's just what's coming back to me, like, about a guy who winds up being, like, obviously a killer, a killer of children. And I think we kind of went over this, but it's just now started solidifying in my brain. Where he used to be a part of a TV show that was really popular. Right. Right. As Like uh, Bozo the Clown. And he's not as popular as he was. They have to cut him because there's new TV shows coming out. Right. And he's so... Because he's old school now. Yeah, he's so obsessed with, like, this is how things need to go. This is the purity. Yeah, so he, he develops into this sort of psychosis about this is what it should be. So that's why he starts developing his fake TV show in his basement with the mannequins because he needs to have that uh that connection yeah, yeah. That, that connection and they don't argue with him and they're yeah 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 like he envisions them as to be like his brother who died of cancer yeah who is as a thing so go ahead continue oh no that's pretty much it i just it finally started to click for me so by the end of the movie you realize that there's just a whole room of screaming kids and dead kids some of them which he puts the mannequins in the unhappy closet because they're just not willing to be happy. So he puts them in, these mannequins in the closet, and you realize by the end of the movie they're all dead kids. Oh, you know what else you could do? Like, this is almost too weird, and it would be tem- d- depend on the project, but uh, what if he sees uh, positive things and negative things about his audience? And he's so That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, oh and he's so concerned with like wanting the perfect audience that he makes the perfect, perfect audience. Right, that's so, what I'm saying. Oh, maybe you are. Yeah, the so, pick of the litter sort of. Attitude. Yeah, well, I don't mean like just physically this person to this person, but he says like, I don't like your arm, but I like your arm. So he cuts off one arm, another guy's arm, and he, and he physically <laughs> physically makes his own audience because they're mannequins, right? Well, or in his mind, or physical people, you know. But, he, but they are like he just doesn't realize it. Yeah, he's because he's, he's such a pure soul. Yeah, he puts himself in a happy place, so he thinks he's just changing out the arms of a fucking mannequin. And he's really changing the arms out of a kid. Yeah. And that's right. why there's half dead kids and yeah. half alive kids. Because he's trying to make the perfect audience. I like audience. this. So it's called the Mr. Jiggles show. <laughs> so so how does it end? Does he realize that he he finally comes to the conclusion when someone breaks into the house? There's got to be some sort of side character. Oh, I think, like, I, I think I know how yeah, yeah, Say maybe, it, but I think I know how it ends. Yeah, yeah, I think I might be on the same track but, as you. But on. maybe it's a neighbor. Kind of like the Burbs kind of situation. Right, exactly. Right. Where he kind of like... Nosy kid or something. Right. Like, he's like, what's going on in there? Every time, like 12 o'clock at night, this fucking noise kicks he off. He hears like horns and shit. Right. Until he picks his head through the cellar door or whatever and figures out what's going on. 
or the lights go out and he sneaks in or tries to break out a window and right. then the guy wakes up but he sees a glimpse of something yeah there you go do you know what i mean oh man so so the, so this is this a kid or an adult maybe like mid teens okay maybe not like an adult so like a 13 still... or 14 year old yeah right because see th- this is how we could get away with like child murder with kids like if we were gonna do like, like a if movie, i wanted to kill a kid this is how i do it. but you know what i mean like <laughs> no, I know you if mean, you were dude, to make a movie like legitimately you'd have to do this all the gory stuff with mannequins but by the end you would have flashbacks of stuff that was happening right do you see what i'm saying so that it's more psychological and you wouldn't have i'm just trying to be realistic in some degree so the kid finds out that he does it. Now, does the kid kill him, or does the kid try to free the kids, and the kids kill him, or they try to escape, and he trips, or... Well, maybe it's kind of like a thing where, like, the kid goes to the authorities, and he's such a, a well-known and loved character that they're like, whatever, kid, you're just talking out of your ass. What if the 13, 14-year-old is a housebound kid who's sick? There you go. Now, now it's and so then go. when he investigates, he's like sneaking out of the house when he's not supposed to kind of okay. thing because he's sick. He's supposed to be in his house. Parents are super fucking protective of him. Uh, he's homeschooled, all this other bullshit. He's got a, like a nurse and stuff. But sometimes he sneaks out at night and that's when he finds this out. And somehow he's carrying around that oxygen tank kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And somehow that comes into play by the end of the movie. What do you think? I like that. Well, maybe he like somehow like shoves the tubes down the fucking clown's mouth. No, it's got to be something where it makes him think of his brother, so he gets out of a situation. That's how I think of it. Well, yeah, it could be like that. Maybe it looked like the breathing tank that his brother had. Keep going, but I got no, 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 no. no, We're going to you. Okay, uh, my my ending would be his. He gets all the kids together and all this fucked up like uh, kids that he created. With whether he's pulling strings or not, and he's doing his final performance, and everybody's laughing like, "Ha ha, you're the funniest clown ever!" But then we find but really they're screaming. <laughs> no, no, no. That we come to find out that the laughing is actually himself. He's in a, a fucking rubber room, and he's 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 the guy laughing. Oh, I don't know, man. Like I like the <laughs> the puppetry thing, but I if it ended up where he was in a. In a fucking room, and it was just in his head the whole time. Yeah, if it was just in his head, I would be upset. It didn't have to be. Well, dude, uh, maybe it was like in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about Krampus, right? The, the Krampus 2015, because it, 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 the kid woke up like it was fake, but at the same time, it was kind of real because Krampus trapped him. But ooh, what if what if this? What if he always constantly thinks of his brother, and he's having these really d- like deep intellectual conversations with his sick brother who 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 died when he was a kid? Okay. But really, that's his psychiatrist in the hospital. Oh, kind of oh. like a... Uh, what's that movie that came out back in the day with... Uh, oh, God. It's not Sixth Sense, right? No, no. no. There, there's a movie where it's... Oh, God, what is it called? Okay, what it was Identity. Called. Identity. That's yeah. the one. That's, yeah, that's the, the one where they're in the room, right? And they don't know why but they don't really, there. They don't really use him as a, like a therapist. But I kind of like the idea that really he's reliving all this stuff that happened. So that it's happening in real time in his mind. But he's talking to his brother, who's actually his psychiatrist, who's trying to reason with him while he's doing these fucked up things with the mannequins who end up being real kids. And then he orchestrates some sort of fucked up puppet show with all the fucking mannequin parts. Yeah. 
and it ends up being real kids. And I then like he, when he comes to the realization, he fucking realizes he's in a hospital, and then he just like tries somehow maybe to kill himself or what? I don't or know. Or does he just scream wildly in the fucking room? As they go over like his file. Like, you know, like his killings and shit like that. Right. Like, how does it, what happens? What's the very end? Is it, is it just that he figures it out and then, and he loses his mind even I, more? I, I, I just like the ending of like, like him doing the, the ending, his last performance, whatever, with the pulling the strings, coming out on stage and be like, ha, 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 And that's what, but that's when it snaps. <laughs> and then it pulls back and he's like in a room, rubber room by himself. And he's like, ha, ha. And then it pulls out from the door through the little mirror, and he's like, ha, ha, ha. Okay, I like that. That's it. Okay. So what do you guys think? I mean, what ending do you think would be right? What do you think is the best uh, way we should have done this? Like, is there any other ideas that you guys have? Uh, if you guys have any other titles or names that you'd want to come up with, we'd love to do another one because I, I kind of like this. Like, Yeah, it was fun. You know, we're fumbling around in the dark to figure out what the best way to do it is, the give or take between the three of us. Honestly, if we were to sit down and write a movie like this in real life, it would take weeks, months, or years. Oh, well, <laughs> you, you say that, but you're not far off base based on the thing, because this is actual an actual exercise that people do. To make movies? Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of these really, like, I think I heard somewhere, um, don't quote me because I'm not sure. But Finding Nemo, uh, the Disney flick, the Pixar flick. That's how they did it? Well, it was just like a over drinks, just off the off the cuff, and they just came up with it. Wow. So Interesting. Uh, you know, like, this is literally how... But this li- is like dead kids on strings <laughs> well, <laughs> finding Nemo. I know, but you... It's you, more like finding Billy, Bob, Joe, Sally, <laughs> Sue, and all tied together. I'm with. just saying this is, this is literally how the exercise works. Well, it's, that's great. It's fucking cool, man. I love it. I, awesome. I love this segment. If you guys like this segment and you have a title of a movie that you just want to come up with to see what we create, please sound off in the comment. You have to hashtag Grave Plots. And then tell us your just the title, nothing complex, as simple as you can make it, so that we can kind of take the story wherever the hell we want to go. Yeah, or maybe it, like if as far as the title, take uh, this is what I'm thinking. Take two different words that aren't related. Yeah, that's I mean, the I mean, way. I mean, like 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 pickle skateboarder or something. I don't know. What well, doesn't have to be like anything you want. Oh, I know. I just because if you lead, like we were talking about earlier, if you lead in one direction too much, it's gonna. It gives cur- us, yeah, yeah. It's gonna curve. It cha- it makes the plot before we even get correct, it. correct, correct. So we're probably gonna pick one that's a little more um, obligatory. Correct. Um, so if you if you come up with something. And maybe we'll just start doing contests, but at least, at the very least, we'll give you a big shout out and a hand job, whatever you want, uh, on the show. Um, but that's it for Grave Plots. Grave Plots, dude. I think it was a success. All right, guys, now that we've done Grave Plots, we are going to dive deep. Deep. Into well, the warlocks. Balls the deep. witches. The witches and warlocks. Ooh, for like- our flesh and potatoes segment. I like potatoes. And we're going to do that right now. We watched two trilogies. Correct. We watched the Warlock trilogy, one, two, and three. And then we watched the Three Mothers trilogy by Dario Argento about witches. And that would be Suspiria, 
Inferno, and Mother of Tears. We're going to start it off, we're going to kick it off with the Warlocks, since they never get the, the most respect out of the witches genre. So we're going to give them the fair shot right up front. We started this off with Warlock, the original movie from 1989. This was directed by Steve Miner, who was the guy that did Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3. He also was part of Halloween, H2O. He did Lake Placid and House. No. So, which is pretty awesome. It's great. It's I, I love it. It's fantastic. He's got a pretty good wide spectrum. I mean, how many how many directors get to, to direct two different large franchises? Oh, I know. Uh, also, it stars Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant. Uh, Julian Sands, he's done a lot of different work, but Richard E. Grant, you may not have heard of. He's done a movie called How to Get Ahead in Advertising, which is about a guy. Oh, which I never saw. It's amazing. Oh, dude. If you guys get a chance to see it, it's about a guy who's so stressed out about his job, his sales job. He's in advertising. He grows a second head out of his shoulder. It starts out (laughs) as a pimple, starts talking to him, and then it gets progressively worse until the very end. He should have popped it at day one. Right, right. There's a couple other movies you forgot. Bram Stoker's Dracula, he also did. Boom. <laughs> Dude, uh, I was going to say Hudson Hawk and a little bit... The oh, out- he was the guy with the gold. Yeah. I totally forgot. And not only that, but Spice World. You guys from the 90s, you remember this movie. Spice World? Spice World. The fuck? Oh my god! Do, do Are you they- talking about Spice Girls movie? Like- yeah, the Spice Girls uh... movie. You believe that shit? Uh, I, yeah, this is kind of a bad joke now, but uh, do they have a horror porno called uh, Bram Stoker's Jackula? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it, but you that's guys- pretty good actually. I don't mind that one. Did you know that Julian Sands though? What he was a naked lunch. Yeah, he was the guy who tells him the he tells him the story. He was like, oh, he was rather charmed by your little. <laughs> Thought story. <laughs> and then he, like, puts that kid Kiki in the cage. Right, right. And then he fucks him. Like, he, like, rapes the <laughs> shit out of him. I remember that. Come, Kiki! Phantom of the Opera and Tale of a Vampire. Right. So the story goes, a warlock flees from the 17th to the 20th century with a witch hunter in hot pursuit. Uh, that's the, the short story hot. of it all. But, uh, yeah. Julian Sands plays the fucking warlock, and he's pretty badass, actually. I thought he was a really good choice. Oh, I love him, dude. Like, he's so, like, charming and menacing at the same time. Right. Yeah. I felt like this movie had a lot of really unique ideas uh, for its time. Like, it did some really different things. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of period pieces, back in time type shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is about that. I would rather watch a movie that takes place in that time. I don't know. I like when they go to the future. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. You, because you mean, it, you don't like I can some, relate to it. You don't like it's something where they spend a few minutes in the past and they bring it to the future? I don't mind that, but I just okay. i am not a big fan of that. I've never been like a huge Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. I gotcha, I gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Lori Singer was the chick that played the like hip twenty year old right in the movie and yeah you know what's funny too about her in the movie what I got a lot of credit card debt I need to pay off she gave me the worst credit card advice ever <laughs> what did she say oh in the movie she's like like ah oh, you use the credit card and you just you know max it out no big it, deal uh, 50, 50 bucks a pop or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like thanks you bitch <laughs> <laughs> you're the reason I'm broke you whore. <laughs> No, but that that I forget this specific line, but it always stuck with me in my head because it's fucking hilarious. I think I remember that part. Yeah. 
what did you guys think about it? Oh, uh, the first Warlock, it wasn't my favorite. Right. Even though it, a lot of people would think like the first movie would be your favorite, the second one was actually my favorite. Well, and you know what I think that is is that you grew up with an older is your is it your older brother? You have yeah. an older brother. Yeah, I have an older brother. So he showed you a lot of these movies. I'm gonna take right. Pretty much. And he's about my age, right? Right. So we grew up around the time when we were getting a lot of sequels in the 80s. Right. So you got to see the secondhand movies that he loved, which sequels to me, I mean, obviously you're always going to be, whatever your first experience with something that you love is always going to be the best. Right. So if you saw the first movie and were like, oh, blown away, that's going to be your favorite fucking movie. So if you saw the second one first... You may maybe like that a little bit more. Or maybe you just like that there was extra story and there was more elaborate shit going on. Right. Because in the 80s, it always felt like the the first one was kind of like the origin story. And then the second one was when they kicked the door open and like went fucking crazy. Right. Evil Dead 2. Right. What about you, Mike? Uh, I really dig it. I mean, it's... Uh, You're a big fan of it, so I'd it, love to hear your it's opinion. It's literally one of my, my favorite movies of that era. I've seen it a billion times. I love it so much. Really? What is it that makes you like it so much over uh, the other movies? Yeah, I've always seen it as a, uh, I don't want to say a rehash or like a redo of uh, Terminator. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So rather than being like uh, somebody coming from the future to the past, it's people going to the fast, past to the future. Right. So it's it's a, a guy who's a, an enemy, but rather a, than... A witch hunter is finding, trying to find the witch. Yeah. So rather than a Terminator and a guy hunting the Terminator, it's a, a warlock. And a warlock hunter, but he hooks up with a chick, and the two of them have to fight the, you know, warlock. That's true. And there's even a scene where the kid, he talks to a kid. And didn't they do that in Terminator? Uh, they may have, but that is one of my favorite scenes. If he could travel into the future anytime he wanted, why was he waiting? He wasn't. Is he just wanted to chill in the middle? No, he like... asked Satan to bring him to the future. He was waiting on Satan to give him his acceptance that he could prove himself. And then Satan was like, you have seven days in the beginning. Check. He's like got the thumb locks on. He's oh, like, yeah. And then they, he's like down here. He's, he's like, like, Satan, give me the power. I can prove myself. And he talks to Satan. Something and like Satan's that, yeah. like, yeah, I'll give you the power. If you can, you have seven days though. But if you don't make seven days, then you die. When he's locked up in the tower, he has the thumb locks on. Right. Yeah. And then the witch hunter chases into the fucking whirlwind. And, and, get, and gets trapped into the whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. Gets thrown into the future. Which the witch hunter totally reminded me of Belmont from Castlevania. Some pretty interesting things about this film. Uh, they actually completed it in the late 1988. And it was one of the last films that completed by the distributor New World Pictures. Huh. So it was the very last film that they did before they filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So then the films, yeah. the trailer was actually shown before early 89 theatrical release instead of going direct to video. And it was actually picked up to put in the theaters by Trimark Pictures in 91. It had a box office success enough that they were going to make a sequel. They ended up doing it, obviously, but they made the Armageddon, which Trimark also released. But that scene that you're talking about, Mike, where he's talking to the kid on the swing playing the video game. Oh, yeah. There was like an actual extra scene. Oh, really? Where he kills the kid and they show it graphically. Oh, damn, dude. And nobody really knows what it's about. Julian Sands did an interview for like one of these newspapers, like the Herald or some shit back then, talking to the kid. And he's like, did you get baptized? Are your parents into church or something? And he's like, oh, no, they don't like church. 
You know, and he was like, good, good. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, I'm trying to make a flying potion. Do you want to help me? He's like, what do you need for a flying potion? He's like, the rendered fat of an unbaptized child. Yeah, he doesn't say that. And then he's like laughing and pushing the kid on the swing. <laughs> so uh, apparently when Julian Sands was uh, interviewed, he, he died, obviously. They, they made it more of an intended thing than yeah. showing it. But Julian Sands said that it was a little too close to the bone, especially for the little boy. He joked menacingly. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of, you know, that's that's like really loving the character, right? I, yeah. I'll tell you, without Julian Sands, I don't think this movie would have been as big as it is. It, it would not have been. No, and it's funny because I think Richard E. Grant was supposed to play. Yeah, that would not have worked out. But the same they, way. and well, I don't know. I mean, he's not a. He could have played menacing very well. Like if you've seen him in and and How to Get Ahead in Advertising. He's pretty good. But the thing about Julian Sands is, is that he's so menacing and lovable at the same fucking time. But I don't so know what that it is. Guy. That, if you watch How to Get Ahead in Advertising, he has two people talking that are him. Well, I haven't seen that, so I definitely I That's will. why I'm saying like he is not a bad choice. It would have been interesting to see, but yes, I'm glad Julian Sands did it. I'm right. not trying to put Julian Sands down. In the original version of the channeling sequence where the... Uh, Mary Warrenov was in it. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Yeah. She uh, ripped open her blouse to reveal the eyes of Satan in place of her nipples. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they have this online somewhere. I haven't seen it. Oh, dude. But after the, the mouthing of the words of the devil, the channel person, like, like the person freezes, and then the warlock pushes the body to the ground, causing it to shatter, and then he stomps on the chest like the remaining pieces... After they did some test screenings, they realized that all the people were laughing at that scene because of the nipples. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, I would laugh too, right? right. But, but that's still cool, though. <laughs> it is cool. And I, <laughs> apparently, I think it's online somewhere. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, but they were prosthetic breasts. A lot of people thought that the disapproval over the violent nature of the death, so they didn't want to keep it, so they changed it around. But Miner, Steve Miner, uh, also felt that the eyes and the breasts did not fit with the effects that they had come previously. So the, the videos are on the internet, which feature the scene, and I'll try to find those and include the information below so we, you guys can check it out. But watch the movie first if you have it. And I think you're right, Pat. Like I think Julian Sands did an amazing job of playing, like you never knew when he was going to snap, kind of thing. Right. It was like he was like endearing and nice in some moments, and then like really fucking evil. Dude, he's literally like the uh, the human version of like a snake. Right. <laughs> so what do you guys think uh, were your favorite scenes of the movie? Actually, Mike was just talking about one of my favorite scenes just because it shows you those two sides of his character when he's on the swing set with the little kid yeah. right. playing the football game or whatever. I agree. It's It just shows his true colors. I also like the nails in the feet thing. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really unique yeah, and interesting. Yeah. And they do something similar like that in part two. Oh, yeah. Which I really liked. For me, like I was saying, the two scenes that really stick out, the one where he kills the kid, because it's so weird. It always stuck with me. And I have friends that have seen the movie, and we always make the same joke. Like, how do you gain flight? It's, you know, using the uh, the rendered fat of an unbaptized child. <laughs> so, like, literally, that's that's the thing where he, he boils the fat in a can, and he drinks it, and how he flies. Also, the one where he does go to the, the psychic. And he tells her to channel a spirit. 
The eyes, the eye. Yes, yeah. I was gonna say. I yeah. love. Yeah, that they too. changed. That's the scene I was talking about. Th- those are the two, my two favorite scenes, hands down in the film. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was other really good parts. Right. So one thing that kind of bothered me about the first Warlock movie, it was the very ending of the movie. She drives it out to where was it again? I can't. It was uh, some kind of salt, salt mine, salt or fields, salt fields, and she literally. It's a two-foot fucking hole. Not even. Not even a two-foot Like, literally hole. pours an inch of salt over it. Right. Like, I thought why? the same thing. Like, six feet. But he's not even... He's not going to be able to get out there. But if you think about the, like... Right. I don't, I don't know. know. Six right? feet. <laughs> now, part two came out some... Uh, like, a couple years later. Because apparently that was hit the theaters in, what? They said 91, I think. Because it was it originally been made in '89, but it didn't get released until Trimark picked it up because of the bankruptcy thing. So in '93, a couple of years later, director Anthony Hickox picked up the directorial for this for the sequel, and he's the one that did Waxwork One and Two and Hellraiser Three. And what's cool about him too is like uh, I forget the guy's name, so forgive me, but the guy from uh, Waxworks and also Gremlins. Made a quick uh, appearance in Warlock Two. Oh, Zach Galligan. Yeah, was he? He was in uh, Waxwork One and Two, and he was. Also oh, he in did. Brentwood. That's right. He was in the beginning of uh, the movie. Yeah, but but I really dug that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, no, Zach Galligan's in there. He makes a hot spot. But yeah, he does reuse some of the characters in those movies. In fact, uh, Anthony, Kick, some of the characters that were used in the movie was Julian Sands is backed, obviously. Chris Young plays one of the the uh, Druid sons. And this girl named Paula Marshall, who was from Hellraiser 3, who was screwing the fucking club owner in his fucking, like, suite. Right. In the in the club. Because they, like, had that 90s cool fucking... Do you remember that from Hellraiser <laughs> yeah. 3? But she she's was also it. skinless Sandy. Yeah, but she dies. She does die. Isn't she becomes skinless Sandy? Yeah, but her character name was Tori, and then there was another character, Sandy. I don't know why they chose to... Have I think her play just, both parts, but to give you an idea, the story is an uh, an order of druids train their children to battle an evil warlock determined to unleash Satan upon the world by bringing a collection of six mystic rune stones together. So, Pat, you said this is probably your favorite movie of the trilogy. Oh yeah, by why far. is that? It's probably because it's the first warlock that I I saw, mm-hmm. and, and the death scenes are just so good. They're just <laughs> they so really good. are pretty good. It's cool. We'll get into those. Yeah, I didn't want to ruin any of What about you, Mike? What did you think of this one? You uh, say you like the first one better. I like the first one just because, it, well, it's the one I saw first. Right, so and that's where you're It's nostalgia. the one I saw when I was a kid. Right. You know, but like I said, I, 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 uh, the one thing I really, really, well, I scratched that. I like the, the, the Zach uh, appearance that I mentioned. Yeah. The other thing, too, about it is, uh, and I don't know if people could really saw this, but uh, when the main character first starts to use his powers or whatever, Especially right. when you had to be a druid or whatever, the music is pretty damn spot on with Star Wars. Okay, uh, and it's hard to say. It really sounds like John Williams. It does. Like, oh, you know what? I recognize that too. I was yeah. thinking that too while I was watching it. You know what? Last time. You know what it kind of reminded me of. It just has those notes. Somehow. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of torn, but I think I'm a little more partial to the second one because, and for some reason, and I don't know why this is, but I get certain notes of waxwork out of it, but I also think of, like, Phantasm for some reason. Yeah, it... it I don't know why, but it just gives me that air of Phantasm. Well, it's got that kind of note that uh, some movies around that era had where it, it's all tongue-in-cheek, doesn't take itself too serious, 
but it still has cool elements to it. Maybe it was like the sequel to right. Phantasm. It like kind of had that vibe to it, but it is totally an early Anthony Hickox movie, totally to the to the T. Yeah, and I think it's a very underrated Anthony Hickox movie. Yeah, for my uh, horror film viewing experience, my favorite, one of my favorites of everything, my guilty pleasures is Waxwork. Right. You know, so I really dig this director. Right. So I really dug uh, Warlock too. Well, and it's so weird because... It's cool. It's very cool. Like, I feel bad because I do like his older movies, but I've never really made an attempt to watch any of his newer stuff. And so I kind of feel like I should. It's like, usually you go, oh, shit, he did that movie? I love that movie. No wonder I love that movie. Right. Because he directed it. No wonder. The movie, I feel, kind of like has like an 80s vibe. Oh, for sure. Even though it's, 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 it's very typical of an early 90s film because it has elements of 80s. But with like a little bit of an edgier, more explained oh, dude, all the thing. one-liners in that movie, there's like ridiculous. <laughs> there's a ton of them, dude. I think they did an amazing job for 38 days shoot. That was a 38 day shoot, that's right? We're like, wow, that's and that's, that's like why he probably got hired for hell or like all these other movies. You know what I mean? Right. Favorite scenes? What do you guys think? I think my favorite scenes would have to be when he first goes to when he goes to the freak show. Oh yeah, okay. And then he traps the guy into the mirrors. Even before that, when she when he picks up that little psychic chick and throws her into the fucking Iron yeah, Maiden, like that was really shit. cool. Oh, yeah, it was cool. He went to the other side of the mirror, and he was asking him which stone was real and which right. one's not. And then he was stuck in the fucking other dimension because okay. he picked the wrong stone. That one end up, the one where he goes to the collector's office. He's like a fine collector of different kind of arts, and he has the stone, and he... He's like, I'll trade you for even a better work of art. And so they trade, and he's like, all right, so where is it? Where is it? And then he starts, like, eyeballing him up and, like... Using his Squaring thumb. him out and using his thumb to, like, he's mixing paint and shit. And he's just, like, warping the guy and, like, turns him into, like, a little Picasso painting. And right. Super cool. And the eyes are all moving and yeah. shit. <laughs> what about you, Mike? I'd say, uh, yeah, that, that scene in the... Uh, uh, Funhouse was was really cool. Do you have any other ones that? you Oh like? no, for sure. My, Anything one, else that the, stood out? The one that really stood out to me that was like really unique, that was fucking just weird as fuck, but I dug on was where the one chick gave birth to Julian Sands. Boom. Oh, that was so that's my all time favorite one. Yeah, that Dude, was I totally like, forgot all about that. I don't know why. I it was just that. so fucking. That's weird. how the movie opens up, right? Yeah. It's just cool. This chick gets, uh, if I remember correctly, she gets a. Uh, Pregnant out of nowhere, pretty quick. Right, and then uh, she just, she's waiting on a date. Yeah, who happens to be Zach Galligan. <laughs> yeah, who shows up as this like little spot, whatever, and then she gives birth, and it's just like, uh, it's just like this slimy, mushy piece of shit. Yeah. It looks like a demon sperm. Uh, yeah, at first. and then, yeah, and then it uh, literally just like bursts into like Julian Sands. Right, I, I thought it was such a great idea. Like, how do you bring this character back who was killed from the previous film? Like let him be birthed, and, and then not only that, when the she gives, she lays back on the table, gets thrown back. Yeah, her stomach grows to like pregnant size, and then she squirts out this fucking fleshy ass fucking inside out dog looking thing. You know, it really <laughs> and, reminded. And then and then uh, this little dog, her she has a little dog that's like barking at it the whole time. Oh yeah, and he and it goes over to it and starts <laughs> licking it. And she's oh, like. Yeah. She's like in pain because she just crazy, gave birth, dude. and she's like, "No, precious, no!" And then it like grabs it, and it's like it's like a somebody took a hand and like actually grabbed the dog. So it looks like really brutal at that point. Oh man, what were you gonna say? I'm gonna say that scene reminds me of Species Two. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, just how fucking 
intense it was. You know what I mean? Just, but I think it was. I think it was a little bit more intense in Species well, Two. And the great thing is, is then she's dead on the table. Like and I don't forget. I forget how she dies. Does he cut her throat? I don't remember exactly. Well, well you don't really see how she does. She lies on the table and she then dies he for a busted jams pussy. his fingers into the side of her head and talks to Satan. And said, and then the Satan says, "You have this amount of many days or whatever to do whatever again." And then he takes her eyes and a like a big chunk of her skin. Yeah. and this and is where, why it, this is such makes, an amazing he makes, scene. He makes a map, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like all of a sudden you see the United States map, and he's just like suddenly he knows what the United States is because from his time, I don't even think they had lines drawn. <laughs> right. But whatever. I mean, like for they, the sake of didn't even have words. <laughs> yeah. But then he goes to the door and opens the door and hears the door knock and it's Zach Galligan and he's wearing this really nice black suit, all black. And Julian Sands is like, black. And touches his chest and you see him walk out with the suit on. It's just like, yeah! I mean, that's a great opener. Uh, my only other one I want to bring up real quick is the leaf stabbing scene where one of the Druid's fathers, the Druid, the druid the older guys that are training the kids... He's like trying to find a way to hurt Julian Sands' character, the warlock. And so he's like stabbing a leaf after he makes a spell on it. It's supposed to hurt him. At the time, Julian Sands is in this like shitty fucking cab, pulls up to get gas and gets out of the car. And the the gas station attendant gets out and he's like, hey, man, how are you doing? And then he realizes that the cab driver's dead. He's like, hey, man, there's a dead guy in your car. And he's like, hey, is this uh, your sports car? He's like, does it drive fast? And he's like, uh, there's a dead guy in your car. And then the guy starts stabbing the leaf from like some other area. And Julian Sands starts bleeding black blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. And then the guy's like, hey, man, you're bleeding. Like, you're losing a lot of blood. He's like, so fill me up. <laughs> but he's like exploding with blood everywhere. I just thought that was such a cool idea, like the nail scene, the foot in the nail scene. Right. Anyway, the movie was made on a three million dollar budget, and it made about three point nine at the box office. Oh, that sucks, dude. Being, yeah, a, a, three, I don't know. a three million dollar budget only making three point nine. It's not a success. It no, has to no. double it to be yeah. success. Right. Yeah. Um. And it's not a bad, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's it's really unique and kind of cool. I think it's really good. Now, as a trilogy for this whole thing, the shit stain in the trilogy <laughs> has got to be Warlock Three, which was made in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so, the, 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 this is the pair of boxes that you don't even bother washing. You just throw them out in the garbage. Dude, I sat and watched. <laughs> I think it was like fifty minutes of this, and I was like, God, dude. Hey, the opening credits were pretty cool. Uh, no, the you know what my favorite scene? I'll tell you what my favorite oh, you scene is. I'll, the I'll whole thing. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I'll tell you what my favorite scene is. A little bit. <laughs> but just to give you guys an idea, like it's no offense to anybody that made this movie, but it was directed yeah, yeah, yeah. by Eric Fraser. Didn't really do much else, actually. He's mainly just like a writer, but he wrote uh, another TV movie called Another Midnight Run. Do you remember Midnight yeah, Run? Is, was that a sequel to it? This is a sequel. It was oh a TV movie, God. and I remember it. <laughs> you know who played the fucking guy that uh, Robert De Niro played? Oh, I don't know. John Larroquette? I have no idea. Chris, <laughs> Christopher McDonald. Oh, dude. He's Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I love Midnight Run, first of all. I, I think it's an amazing movie. I think movie. I saw it in theaters, to be honest. It, it even has that guy from Beethoven in it. 
Uh, and it's ju- it's fucking the, the dog. From oh, Beethoven? the dad from yeah, yeah from Beethoven. And yeah. It, yeah, the dog. Come on. Out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, instead of Julian Sands being in the role this time as the warlock, Bruce Payne, who was in the movies uh, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. The Keep, he played only a bit part. Oh, The Keep. But I love The Keep. It's got the best atmosphere. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's like one of the best atmospheric Nazi movies, like Nazi dead things. Um, You know what's interesting about The Keep? Like, uh, way back when I was in, uh, I don't know if it was in high school or maybe it was, well, no, it was high school, maybe grade school. When I first started learning to play guitar, uh, the first band I tried to start was called The Keep. Nice. Because based on that movie? Based on the movie. That's cool, man. Yeah. You know, that's actually really hard to get. I think you can only get it on VHS. Oh, damn. Oh, really? And I think it's it used to be on Netflix, but I think it's now on Amazon Video. So if you guys get a chance, you should watch that. Yeah, dude. It's not a great movie, but some of the things that they do in it are amazing. Well, plus it's really cool conceptually regardless. Oh, yeah. No, it is. But the creature and all the fucking the like effects in it is like if you are into synthwave, this is like your cum dream. <laughs> like I can't even explain to you. Uh, other than that, the story is about a college student who, un- and this is a shitty story, by the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> a college student unexpectedly finds that she has inherited a derelict house accompanied by a group of friends. She goes there to clear it out of the heirlooms before the structure is demolished. Almost immediately, she and her friends are targeted by a powerful warlock who is very interested in her bloodline. Fuck you! <laughs> Right, dude. It's hard for me to even get people to come together to like help me move a couple boxes, let alone like a whole fucking house. Well, they shit. argue with her, like, and the funny thing is, the beginning of the movie starts off, and it's like it's trying so hard to be grungy, fucking edgy, fucking nineties, like you know, like forcing it down in your throat, extreme, like that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Because uh, it was like society is fighting back. The kids are fighting it back against the authoritarian. Fuck like, you, authoritarian. Whatever. <laughs> um, but it, it it's it's it tried so hard to be an early '90s film in 1999 that it was oh, so God. outdated. It was like somebody wrote it in like the early '90s and it finally got made or something. You know what I mean? It just just felt yeah. that way the right. whole time. Um, the death scenes were pretty lame. <laughs> the worst in the Warlock franchise. Not innovative or unique or cool yeah, or. Yeah. So what did you think, Mike? Because I don't think Pat saw it. Uh, it 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 adds some uh, conceptual stuff that I do like about movies because okay. I, I have this like uh, I don't really, I don't call it like a like a film fetish kind of thing. I love movies that involve people going to a house that's haunted and staying in it and stuff like that. So I saw a group of people going to a house, stuff happening in the house. You like that element? Well, that's what I like in general. I thought it was stupid to mix the two. Oh, I know. Oh, no. I'm getting... I'm just... I'm just... Uh, let me say this. I like that concept in general. Sure. Okay. I get uh, it. Okay. okay. But was this film good? No. Was it executed uh, well? No. Th- 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 this was what happens after you eat fucking uh, Filiberto's at two in the morning and get diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The thing is, is that this movie starts off and she goes into this house and before you... I mean, there's like a little like, uh, what is it called? Like a precursor to the whole story. Yeah. And you see this warlock chasing after some fucking maiden. Oh, like in the 1600s. And she has a kid. Yeah, in the 1600s yeah. or 1700s. It was, oh, it was like 1623. Yeah. It was like before it the first warlock took place. Yeah. For some reason, she's like loses her kid. He steals the kid. And she keeps the doll or something like that. And this is the ancestor of the girl that inherits the house. But she goes to this house because her friends won't come with her. And when she shows up, all these ghostly happenings are happening. Woo! 
and it's just kind of stupid. Like, I'm like, is this a warlock movie? What the fuck am I watching right now? I know, it, it, it didn't make any sense in the franchise. It's like they tried to make it psychological, but failed miserably. Yeah, it, it's like, uh, and no offense to the uh, uh, the Halloween franchise. This, oh. this in a way, could be uh, uh, Halloween 3, to some degree. Because, oh, no, because there was a warlock, at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, there, I, I get what you're saying. Different. I just didn't like the element of haunted anything. Yeah. I thought that was stupid. It was like this lady was trying to get her and she was blah, blah, blah. Basically, I'll just I'll just spoil the movie for you so you never have to fucking watch this abomination. <laughs> I typically don't like just hate on movies or anything, and I'm sorry. I'm sure things just didn't come together for this guy. It was his first movie like that was legit, you know? Oh, okay. And it sucks, but it sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, dude. It sucks. Yeah, it I, sucks. I, I feel bad about. I just, it's just, I can't get behind it. I will in no way, shape, or form watch this movie again. I will absolutely refute ever watching it again because I, I tried to watch it three fucking times. So I literally watched like 20 minutes of it three times in a row. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it just was that bad. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it now. I'll tell you what. If you want to watch Warlock three, go out. Find a hammer and smack yourself in the face. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, if you have a gun, find a bullet. Only one bullet. All right. Maybe it's not that bad. I'd give it a three out of ten. No, it's 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 okay. I mean, I've seen worse movies for sure. To me, like, if yeah. a movie's a six, I'll probably watch it again. It's not going to be my go-to movie, oh. but it did something a little extra. Five, it's like, yeah, maybe if I'm really bored and I didn't want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just had, it had nothing that compelled me to want to watch it again. Nothing. The coolest part in the whole fucking movie for me was the goat scene where he's changing back and forth oh, at the okay, end. Oh, okay, okay. But the, the fucked up part, and it didn't make any sense, is that her best friends, who really didn't give two shits about her, end up showing up at this house, and then the warlock shows up at the door as some fucking entrepreneur looking for a, a business venture to make a museum or whatever the fuck it is, and really he's just living in the catacombs underneath the building, <laughs> and then he tries to convince each and every one of her friends to give him to her, or to give her to him. It's like, first of all, they don't own her. So why the fuck do they have to give her away to him? Yeah. Doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> anyway, just to give you kind of a quick tidbit about this movie, uh, the scene with uh, where Lisa is sitting on the bed and she was being hypnotized by the warlock, if you look carefully, you can see the shadows on the wall and it shows that she's like actually bowing and worshiping him. Huh. So they had like standby people just to kind of make that I mean, it's like they put some thought behind it, but it just wasn't executed well. Right. You know what I mean? Kind of like how Lords of Salem was for me. Oh, okay. It's like it had a decent thing, but it just didn't do it. I don't right. Know. But that's, uh, yeah, Warlock 3. Uh, fa- <laughs> favorite scenes? The credits. Oh, yeah, uh, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to do that joke for you, man. Uh, you, <laughs> you inspired it. Yeah. But honestly, probably the goat. <laughs> he changes into a goat like there's flashes of it and I thought the, the, the actual creature effects was kind of cool because it was like almost like a titty goat or something a titty goat a titty goat <laughs> giant tit with horns I don't know I'm sorry I you know if it's your favorite movie I really apologize 
But let's get into a little something more uh, less shit stainy. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's change change our underwear here. Yeah. So now we're gonna kick it off into the Three Mothers trilogy from Dario Argento, mm-hmm. kicking it off with the first movie called Suspiria, made in 1977. Yeah, dude. Which which literally is always on the top whatever list of greatest horror films ever made. Um, which is kind of debatable for some people because yeah. the older you get or the younger you are the less you might uh, uh, like it. Yeah, and the thing about uh, Argento and, and his stuff, I hear people call him the film school version of Fulci. Yeah, and that I, makes sense. I can see him being compared to Fulci because for Argento, don't don't watch his movies expecting to see plot, character development. For Argento? Uh, yeah. I don't, really? I don't see that. I, I When I look at an Argento flick, I see cinematography, color, you know, framing, I see hot chicks, and I see cool kill scenes. Okay, well, I can kind of agree, but Fulci's not too far ahead of him then. I, I just see Fulci's like... Because Fulci does do some cool things, and we'll get into that. Oh, okay, okay. But... I, I just know when I watch... Um, uh, Suspiria had the most plot out of the three, I think. You think? I, I did. I mean, dude, I watched... I this... thought the second one actually had the biggest oh, plot. Uh, Tenebrae? No. Oh, not Tenebrae. Inferno. I'm sorry. Uh, Inferno. I'm sorry. I'm getting fucked up. <laughs> uh... But there, there's stuff that just doesn't make any sense. We'll get into it in a second. But Well, there's a guy on uh, Horror Amino who wrote um, about three three posts about Italian horror and like its beginnings and everything like that. And he was talking about how Lucio Fulci, and if you guys don't follow him, his name is Mark Doubt. Okay. So you should, Mark, I think, underscore Doubt. If you guys get a chance, go to Horror Amino and check these out. They're really good. Like this guy actually spent like went through all these articles, all these different books and references and everything like that, and then put the references at the end of each post. Oh, dude. Like, that's dedicated. Anyway, but he was talking about how Lucio Fulci was kind of going for just the horror element. Oh, I've heard that. And that his the guy that he was like his assistant wanted to just push that element, and it didn't always have to make sense. Like, you would open a door, and you'd be in another world, and then you'd go through another door, and you'd be in the hospital. Like, in From Beyond, that's probably... I would say From Beyond is probably one of his more creative, uh, eccentric, art house sort of style movies, like, in that sense, I guess. I don't know. Dario Argento, um, I don't know. He had, like, a different style about him. I don't know if I agree, necessarily. Suspiria has some basic plot stuff that I can follow. Right. You know, a girl joins a ballerina academy... Ballerina Academy is run by witches. Right. That makes sense. That's the story, guys. Yeah, pretty much that's the story. And regards to And the, she was American. Yeah. And the second one, it does have a story as well, but it's it's a little looser. For me it was. And then the third one, Mother of Tears, like and It was this, all over the fucking it place. It was all over the place, yeah. Yeah. So when I when I when I think about his stuff, I'm like I'm I'm watching it because I want to see he You want to feel something. Yeah, he he has this great eye. The the kill scenes are amazing, uh, and it's very intense, very suspenseful. I mean, I've heard people call him the Italian uh, Hitchcock. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. A lot of these directors from Italy were really into ripping off other movies. Oh, yeah. And it were, wasn't until... Yeah, and then Mark Dow was saying this. He was saying, you know, that it wasn't until, like, Argento and Fulci who broke out of the, like, copycat phase hmm. to start doing things their own and they kind of develop their own sense about them and Suspiria is one of those movies where Argento was moving from Giallo 
to horror. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can't make it giallo. It has elements of it. Oh, for sure. But it also has elements of just straight horror. Because it did witches in ways that I don't think anything had ever done that. No. Ever, ever before it. And it was so, like, people thought it was like a Technicolor movie because of the color scheme. They use a lot of, like, primary colors in the fucking movie, like, especially, like, red. A lot of red, a lot of pink. You got, like, green, you got red, you got... The the lighting is very something, it's it's what you would see on stage for watching a play. He wanted to make it very nightmarish. Yeah. Which I think was conveyed really well. Yeah. Um, some people get the misconception that he was using Technicolor. They stopped using Technicolor guys after the 50s, apparently. So that is thrown out. But they did use a process. It's called the three-strip process. Okay. One of the three-strip process that they did to make this movie pop. So it, there's a lot of confusion. I was actually doing a lot of research about it. And uh, most everything that I saw was saying that he used Technicolor. To make the colors pop so vibrantly, but he didn't. What about you, Pat? What did you? What do you think about this? Like, I know that you like. What's the first thing that caught your your attention? Just his his scenes, his environment that which until he tells his stories. It, it's almost like he wants to make the place where he's telling the story a part like a character. Right. Yeah. Even as well as his sound design, it seems like as well. Well, he was working with Goblin. Right, uh, and closely, I remember you telling right, and which and I, is Claudio Simonetti. Right, and that's another thing I like about his his soundtrack that he was doing for the movie. It starts abruptly, and ends just as abruptly. Well, you want to know something fucking crazy, and and I'll be honest, like Dario Argento is one big ass like film motherfucker. Yeah, like this guy is willing to shoot his girl, his daughter, having a sex scene. Oh yeah, this I remember talking about he, that. He yeah. shoots her naked. There's been movies where he shoots her getting raped. And right. Stuff. See, like this is the thing. I feel like Dario Argento is so into film that he can literally disconnect himself from everything else for yeah. the sake of the film. And so this is where I feel like he is just so specific. In fact, he wanted people. Like originally, this plot was supposed to have a bunch of kids in it. But, yeah, there was supposed Damn. to be a bunch of tons of kids and they were supposed to be like really young, like eight to 12 in this dance school. Huh. But the producers and everybody else who was making the film thought that it would immediately get banned because of all the violence and and darkness, because it's just there's kids, especially in the 70s, for Christ's sake. So they decided that they were going to do something a little different. So they they hired like older actresses who could dance and stuff like that he was so specific about how he wanted his movie that he put the doorknobs higher on the doors so that they would still be reaching up like a kid (laughs) and that he wouldn't he didn't even change the script really so all the conversations that you're hearing that are kind of stupid and you're just like oh that's just the 80s they're quirky no that's because he never changed the script from kids to adults. Fascinating. Wow. So I thought it was really interesting. That just shows you like how much of a fucking nut he is about the specifics. And it makes sense. Like I get it, but that's like right. kind of specific. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool, man. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. But you, you said something that this is your first time watching it, Pat. Yeah, my first so, time. So tell me how you came. How I came <laughs> <laughs> right, into, into a tube sock. 
<laughs> Usually, that's about that's pretty much the science of it. Um, <clears throat> what was it again? You were asking me. Well, you were saying that you the the first thing that caught your attention was the visual style, right? But what carried the visual style for you? You were telling me this when you were watching it. You were so excited. Oh, oh, Goblin! Yeah, the yeah. guy who did the soundtrack. That, well, oh, that it's, yeah, it's the, called the Goblins in the movie, but right, it's but Goblin. The soundtrack. I mean, the score. I should say really set this movie off for me dude it's like some panicky fucking crazy shit dude i actually i went to my subwoofer and i maxed it out because i was just like i gotta hear more of that fucking dude it is like one of the loudest soundtracks i think i've ever heard in a movie yeah yeah i know it's awesome but you know what's funny? It's like it—it it feels like it has an element of like a synthesizer, right? But it's all like natural, like instruments. You know what I mean? And right. like sounds and drums and weird noises and shit. Like it's fucking awesome, man. It is pretty fucking cool. I mean, it, do you know that that while he was filming the movie, he was actually like you know when the scenes where the chicks are running from something, yeah. He literally blasted the music on them. Oh, nice. So that they would act in terror. Because the song was written before the movie got made. Oh, man. Wow. So he was just like jamming it down in their throats because he wanted them to feel panic. So, like, that's how dedicated the motherfucker is. Like, uh, uh, you know what else I heard, too? That anytime you see hands come into the camera gloves on or it's him or it's him yeah, yeah now yep. i heard that too yeah were you gonna say something sorry oh i was just gonna say anybody who likes the soundtrack you guys can still pick it up even on vinyl for 30 bucks for 30 bucks and we're not it. sponsored by them i want to get it on vinyl i have it on uh i have the anchor bay three disc release right it comes with a bunch of uh like lobby cards and it has the soundtrack but uh i think i'm still gonna get it on vinyl yeah, I think I still. Will. I've been into collecting vinyl lately, so. Did I you totally guys catch don't. something in the movie? I never caught this in the movie before. First of all, I forgot that Udo Kier was in the movie because it's oh, been a little while. He, he looks like he's twelve years old, dude. You can tell by his <laughs> eyes, but I didn't realize. Oh yeah, it. those piercing eyes, dude, for uh, sure. But there was a part where you remember when they're sitting in the hallway, and she's the the main girl, Jessica Harper, who plays the Susie girl. Yeah. She's like walking down the hallway from the dance class. Oh, is this where they turn the the, the mirror? Thing. Yeah. Did you notice the little kid smiling? The little kid who looks like uh, he's in the little clothes or whatever. Yeah, the period uh, piece clothes. I don't know if I recognize him smiling, Dude, but I know. The I scene. never noticed that he was smiling back there, and I've seen that movie so many fucking times back in the day. Yeah. It's been a few years, like, but I never noticed that. Hmm. Like I was like, holy shit! I was like, that kid. As soon as it gets bright, he's like smiling at her. Oh, yeah, like he knows. And then he, when it like goes he knows away, what's yeah, yeah. And then when it goes away, he stops smiling. Hmm. And I never noticed oh, that's that. That's so fucking subtle. It's that's like crazy. a really subtle fucking thing, but yeah. it's like really effective for people who rewatch that kind of thing. I don't know. Right? Maybe I'm just being too much of a fanboy. But to give you guys kind of a little bit of a history, real quick, because we got to move this along. Uh, the title and general concept of The Three Mothers came from the literary works of an essayist called Thomas De Quincey, and he wasn't credited for it. Uh, it's He wrote uh, an essay slash book slash novel, whatever. It was never really... I don't, I don't think it was ever completed, but it was called Suspiria de Profundis, which in Latin means size from the depths. The funny thing is, is that there's... Uh, they talk about all the different mothers in it, in this book, like... To the T. And one of the fucking... The script writer 
Daria Nicolodi stated that Suspiria's inspiration came from a tale her grandmother told her as a young child about a real-life experience she had in an, at an acting academy where she discovered the teachers were, uh, were teaching arts, but also black magic. But they found out later that Arge- Dario said that that was a fake story that she said. Huh. That that was not true. <laughs> but for some reason, he doesn't give credit to the thing, so I don't know why. Right. But maybe he's just like, I'm a master, you know. <laughs> I'm a master. No, but he deserves it. Do you guys have any favorite scenes in that movie? Dude, I have two that, actually three that rock my world. Well, go ahead and tell two. Okay. Pick two. Uh, the first one is the obvious one at the beginning where the girl hangs herself and falls through the, the stained glass. Yeah. That is one of the most iconic horror fucking scenes in scenes. any movie. And they don't have to be death scenes, guys. Pat usually tends to pick ones that are, but... It's a great scene, though. It really is. It's literally like when you when you if you pick that scene out, you're like, oh my god, I'm watching a, I'm not watching a horror film, I'm watching a piece of art. Well, the whole part where she's running through the woods. Oh, I know. Like all that ominous bullshit, and then she's like running into the building. But yeah, I agree. When she gets her head stuck through that glass. Oh, that's something else Argento does a lot of times. Um, a lot of his movies, like, uh, isn't there a couple girls that get their faces smashed through glass in that movie? I, yeah. There's a scene where there's one chick, two. One yeah, chick, because she runs into the building first, and she's like, "I'm scared, I'm scared," and she puts her in the room, and then she sees something out the window, and then a hand breaks through the window and grabs her head and smashes her head from the inside yeah. out of the window. And there's another scene where a chick is like falling through glass, like smashing, flipping, smashing, and then you have this scene where like the chick falls through the glass. Uh, glass and then ceiling. hangs. Yeah, yeah, that one. I'm I'm saying like, uh, it's it seems to be a recurring theme because I know in a phenomena there's a scene where a chick same kind of thing gets pushed through glass, and, uh, and falls over a cliff. So I think girls getting thrown through glass is like a theme he does that he likes. But uh, anyways, beyond that first scene of the hanging, I like uh, after you've named five. I know. Sorry, <laughs> uh, where the girl falls into the uh, razor wire. Oh, that's mine too. Yeah, yeah that's a good one right there. What it, about you, Pat? That one's tough. Of course, the girl, when she got stabbed on the roof and the guy kind of pushes her head through the window. Yeah. That was really cool, just the way it looked. Well, it I just... love that he wrapped... I, I, it's so weird because it seems like there was a lot of thought when he wrapped the thing around her shoulders. I thought it was a little bit overkill what? because he fucking stabbed her like three times and then stabbed her in the heart and then fucking wrapped a cord around her neck. I, I just like, thought of it as... Dude, she's dead, bro. It's, it's very over-dramatic. Over, over I thought it was well thought out because like... Not only he ties the rope or, or the, the, the extension cord, which for whatever reason, it always reminds me of uh, Dead Alive, right. a.k.a. Brain Dead, mm. when he she falls through like that. But like he wraps the cords around her arms and then as she's falling, slides up to her neck. Yeah. And I just thought that was like that extra like, whoa. Right. Like she's already dead. He stabbed her like 10, 15 times. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. I, just, I like that. But go ahead. I'm and, sorry. And I, I would have to say, I mean, my other favorite scene was probably something so minimal that it's, like, going to be overlooked by most people. But when she's walking out of the air, airport and you start hearing the score start kicking up and stuff. Oh, with the doors. The, yeah, the doors. Yeah. yeah. That was, that's like, that's a total. More subliminal kind of thing. Yes. It's like he's trying to build that terror. Right. And it's kind of like a cheap thrill in a way, but I honestly think it's cool because it sets the... It sets the tone. Right. And this is where I get a little irritated with people who get mad about cheap jump scares and stuff like that, because that could be within the same vein 
right as a cheap jump scare in a way yeah i see what you're saying but i, I think it yeah. builds an atmosphere yeah and that's what you need to do sometimes. And, and, and i don't consider it a jump scare given when the film came out where it was made how it was made it's not a, if, if people want to call it a jump scare i don't jump scares aren't inherently bad they're, they're inherently bad when they use them, overuse them. Yeah, they're right. That's exactly. the problem. Exactly. It's not. It's not that they're fucking using them at all. It's just that they people overuse them because they don't know how to build tension. Yeah. So that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, that, that, those are probably my favorite two scenes. It, I really like the way the lights look when she's like her head is pushed through the window. You know. Right. It just almost reminded me of like Evil Dead or something. Okay. Just. No, I, I think that I'm so glad you brought that up because I recognized that again when I saw it. I was like, I always loved that part because you hear the doors and it's like all of a sudden. Right. It's like kind of dark and you're just like, why is this here? It's like, I'm, what am I in for? It right. was like, it's almost like he's trying to keep you off guard. Yeah. And I like that. I think it's, I think, I don't know. That or he was just kind of be like, welcome to the movie. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's cheap in, in a way, but it's, I don't know, it's effective. For sure. What about you, Alex? What was your favorite scenes? I, I'm i kind of with Mike. I love the barbed wire scene, even though I knew it was kind of fake, especially when you see like the updated versions. Yeah, when you, when oh, you yeah. see there's like, no they, barb on the wire. Yeah. yeah. But when I, was, when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, fuck, because I, I think I watched it on like VHS. Oh, yeah. I bought a copy from like one of those places we were talking about, like Video Junkies and uh, Black Blackest Heart Media or something okay. like that. Um, but or Midnight Movies, I think it was called Midnight. I'm not sure. Anyway, I bought from one of those, and they had the uncut version because there was a cut version. It wasn't by much, but it was a cut version, and I wanted to see the uncut. But the barbed wire, and then the chick who gets her head, she gets stabbed to death. And hung, I just, I love that little extra bit. Like, the fact that she got hung at the end instead of just falling through. I just like the bit where her head goes through the window. The lighting, oh, it's everything looks really good The right movie's there. beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for Suspiria. I mean, we could probably speak, like, days and days oh, I, and days. Now we want to go and talk about uh, another movie uh, called Inferno. Uh, you guys probably have heard about it. Tom Hanks is in it. Oh, uh, I, oh I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know Dario Argento did this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, really, no. seriously, I want to talk about Dario Argento's sequel to Suspiria, which is called Inferno. It came out in 1980. The story revolves around an American college student in Rome and his sister in New York investigate a series of killings in both locations where the resident addresses are the domain of two covens of witches. Yeah. And this movie, I mean, like, it feels like it kind of, like, kicked the door open a little bit more in, in, in the story and less atmosphere. Yeah. Seems like as the movies go on, they kind of lose the atmosphere aspect and kind of go for the, like, kills. Right. Especially the third one. Oh, yeah. But the second one, uh, I watched. I haven't watched this movie in a long time, and when I watched it this time, I actually was like, "Damn, dude, why did I give this movie such a hard time?" Hmm. And I think it was just because I was expecting Suspiria. Yeah. So it just kind of let me down in that respect. But I actually kind of like it way more now than I did before. Yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't Suspiria by any means. Right. But it did have elements of Suspiria, for sure. Well, and I'm sure a lot of people wanted it. Right. They I wanted mean, the extension of that feeling. Right. The colors were there. Right. 
maybe not so much the not music. Not as bright. Not as bright, yeah. And the music wasn't as uh, intense. Mm-hmm. But it definitely had those kill scenes. Right. It definitely, he definitely, he lines up shots, and, it, and every shot could be like, print that out right now, put that on my wall. You I think? Love it. I there is a lot of cool scenes in there, dude. I mean, they even have the like red and black wall, you know, or like door frames are black and the walls are red. Right. Like the tressing. Yeah, yeah. It was tram. all. Yeah, it was very similar to Suspiria. They had an old house. It was a hotel, I think. Was it a hotel? You talking about the it, it, first it, it, house she goes to? The no. main ha- main house wasn't it like an apartment complex or something. It's, I think because it was so huge. Yeah, right? it was like a massive structure. With and the they had like stuff. a lobby person. Yeah, right. Which was weird. <laughs> a lobby person. <laughs> yeah, a I lo- lobby bitch. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, I mean it's not as stylish as the first one, but it does amp up the kill count. It, it does give you kind of a little bit more of a uh, understanding of a plot line. Uh, I feel like that's yeah. why I was saying like yeah uh, for I mean it did add more to the story but it's still kind of disjointed as far as like shit's happening and I'm like why is this happening it had moments where I thought it was cool but I think Argento changed the way he did things like yeah. he, um, Suspiria and Inferno have the same kind of similar style mm-hmm. but his more modern stuff it almost, I don't know if he was trying to be more modern. Or be more up to date and, and relevant. Maybe because I, I he was probably trying to watch like American cinema. There you go. That's kind of what I'm yeah. thinking. Because I, I didn't get the same vibe. I mean, the the third one, which we're going to talk about in a second, it did have cool kill scenes. Okay. And it had cool stuff, but it didn't have that kind of weird fucking LSD kind of aesthetic that the other ones had. Yeah, you're right. A lot of his modern stuff, his newer stuff, does it pales in comparison to his heydays. Maybe he got clean. <laughs> it's like it's like Metallica. Look at Metallica's right? old stuff, you know. <laughs> well, you can say the same thing about Trent Nine Inch Resnick. Nails, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, for sure. Does also show a lot more of the killers, the people who were involved. So you can it it it's something about this movie. It shows that it's more widespread than like the first one, where it's like located to the house and the house only. Right. Oh, yeah. And it feels like they're following them to other places. This one kind of starts to say that there's like chaos going on everywhere, and you don't know who to trust a little bit. Like, I didn't know if it was the Kazanian guy, the shop owner that lived right next door that had the antique curiosities thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? The guy that owns the bookstore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, well, it's it's like a curiosity store. It's not just books. Oh, right. But he sells books to the girl. I don't think the music was nearly as good. No. It, you know, it makes sense because it's Keith Emerson who did the main score for this. Like, mm. I don't, he didn't do everything, but he did a lot of the parts. And, you know, they, they tried to pull the same style where the girl's in the car and she's, like, reading the letter. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, crazy music, loud, like, over, like, like during a boring scene. Yeah. Like, nothing's really going on, but he's trying to create that that chaos, you know, that there's she's on to something really negative and bad. But the music just, I don't know. It, it sounded too, gen- I don't want to say generic. I know what you mean. But it, it just it sounded more mainstreamy than it little plain Jane, yeah, yeah, it wasn't as iconic as uh, Goblin score from the first one. Not at all. But it's, I mean, I could see why they wanted to switch it up, right? And some of it was just downright laughable. I'm sorry. Sure. No, I mean, some of it was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're right. Something I forgot to mention real quick: Warlock Three. The music in it sounded like it was something from Enigma. Enigma? The, the band Enigma? Yeah, the band Enigma. <laughs> hi, 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 hi. You know what I'm talking about, right? We're going to get dinged for fucking copyright on that. 
But Keith Emerson actually did the music in this, like I was saying, but he was in Emerson Lake and Palmer. And uh, which is kind of a big band. Nothing. It's a progressive rock sort of electronic band. It, it's it's still a big band, and Emerson is still pretty big. Um, if you're into like a retro synth, right? Well, he's like, a big a synth guy. Yeah, yeah. If you're into like like he's like I, a maestro. Yeah, like I'm really into Moog, Moog stuff, and he's right. really into that kind of stuff. And I actually have some of his CDs at home um, of him doing stuff, and I watched videos of him before, but. But still, I'm with you on the same page. Yeah. It's, soundtrack was okay. It's not that he's not talented. It just Correct. wasn't the right fit. Correct. There you Goblin go. score was more chaotic and scary and fucking just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm just having a panic listening to this music. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, there's something wrong. <laughs> but this one was like kind of happy and mainstream a little bit at times. It just didn't make sense to me. But I'm not saying that he's a, obviously he's a great musician. Yeah. So is this, um, did he die or is he still around? I don't I don't remember. Okay, I think he died, but you might be right. Okay, yeah, he uh, died March tenth, twenty sixteen. Oh wow! At the age of seventy one, so he lived in Santa Monica, California. There's some pretty interesting things about this movie, though. First of all, there was a lot of death scenes I liked. There was some scenes that made me feel uneasy, like when the girl goes into the water to go get her brooch. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. She drops it in the water and then. There's like this ominous feeling like somebody's watching her and then she goes down. And like, first of all, let me just say, like, I understand that she was interested because the story, guys, is that she gets this. She figures she reads this book, The Three Mothers, and she thinks that there's like some sort of treasure or something. There's these keys, two remaining keys to the three mothers that she needs to find. And one of them's in the basement or something like that. And she keeps like seeing the door to the basement goes down, gets curious. And she's like in her nice clothes at this place that in, in on the side of the alley. And she goes down, she drops her brooch and, and she tries to grab it, but she can't reach it. So then she fucking full ass dunks her ass in the fucking water, <laughs> which is kind of like, all right, like, I don't really understand that, but maybe she was, like, something was drawing her there. I, know, I was going to be, at that point, I'd look for a coat hanger or something. Be like, I'm going to get that fucking dude, thing. Dude, she was on her <laughs> knees. If she would have just laid on her stomach, she would have been able to reach it. Right. But, but she fucked it up and knocked it in the water. What were you going to say? I was going to say, this is kind of what it was coming uh, coming to her, I wanted to say. Because uh, it didn't make any sense. Like, she just, like, here's a building. She drops her, she sees the open pit. She drops her brooch or whatever it is. Yeah. And then just, like, fuck it. I'm going to jump in. And then it's like, a, you know, there's like a second level of house down below and she's just like swimming around. Yeah, which is cool, but I it mean, didn't yeah, make vi- sense. Visually, it was amazing. Right. And it was a great scene and it's one of my favorites. But yeah, eh, on the mental it, scale, I'm not sure where it lands. And then they have that ominous, like, dark creature sort of like there when she gets out. Oh, yeah. Because she finds the dead body and she gets out of the water. But still, it was still, it made me feel a little uneasy. Yeah. I mean, what would you do if you were in... And she was under the water for a fucking long time, by right? the way. She must have been a fucking, like, supreme fucking, like, scuba diver, pearl diver or some shit. Well, yeah, a couple of things they did that made the scene work really well, I thought, was... Uh, first of all, she's down there, and it's already uneasy and weird. Right. the way it looks. And then you have the dead body kind of bumping up on her feet. Right. She's flipping she's out. She's kicking it. Yeah, and it keeps coming back. I, I just picture some guy off camera being like... Ah! <laughs> you know it didn't and, look like it it looked uh, like it was just floating around I know and then when she goes try to get out of the hole 
it, 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 it plays out like a trapped under ice kind of thing where she goes up towards the top, but she can't because she's hitting the ceiling. Right, yeah. You know, and like That's that, what I was saying. She was off to the right behind yeah, the chandelier, yeah. 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 So, so coupled with being trapped under ice and then the body fucking floating hitting her, I thought it was, it was a pretty damn tense scene. It's a, it is. It actually is. Yeah. It's, it's probably more underrated than people give it credit. Yeah. Did you know that James Woods was supposed to play the brother? Really? Wow. James didn't, Woods. Didn't know, but he's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah I would dude. love to see him. I, you know, it probably would have made the movie better, but for his career, probably not so much. <laughs> like, no offense. Uh, but James Wood, he was supposed to play the part of the brother, but he was already committed to Videodrome. Oh, shit. And by that, I say, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> because that's he, probably he one right, of my favorite made, movies. Yeah, he made the right decision. On yeah, that. he really did. But it's weird because that movie wasn't coming out for three years later. A Videodrome? Yeah. Huh. So, and I'm sure they shot this one pretty quick. Overall, it's not as good as Suspiria, but it's still better than the next film. Right. You know, it's these films literally happen quality and order. I and I have a theory on this that I'm going to bring up when we talk okay, about okay, the third okay. movie, and I'll, I'll explain it. Okay. And I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. So this, this is, it's not a bad movie. It's got a lot of stuff that's really cool. If I have to give people a handful of Argento movies to watch... It's not going to be one of them. Well, it would, actually. Really? Oh, okay. I, I would, I would. I mean, I'm not going to say this because... Uh, like then, top five? Uh... For Argento stuff, I would say, like, uh, Suspiria, Inferno, Tenebrae. Um, uh, opera. Opera, for sure. Yeah. You could say maybe Profondo Russo. Phenomena. Phenomena, you motherfucker. I forgot yeah, about that so one. that's six. So, f- fuck you for making some good movies. <laughs> I was no, going to say, that's a really good one, though. Yeah, Phenomena's really good. And Deep Red's actually not so bad, either. Uh, and even some of his earlier Giallo stuff is yeah, actually yeah. pretty good, too. But anyways, that's it. I'll eat. Go ahead. You, Pat? Trick. Other things that we haven't talked about about this movie? Yeah, what's up, Trick? Trick. <laughs> Show you a trick, dude. I mean, it's good. It had some pacing issues. It it did give you a little bit more of a plot. But overall... It was an amazing plot, but right. it was decent. Right. I mean, overall, it was a pretty decent movie, and I would watch it again. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it again. And I'd Actually, probably watch it like in succession, just like Spiria. Inferno. I don't think I'd watch Mother oh, of Tears yeah. again. Yeah. I mean, you could one. literally watch these individually by themselves, but I think it pays off to watch them in order. Right. I just can't do that with movies. Something interesting about this, apparently Mario Bava was working on this movie too, obviously. Well, he was actually credited for a lot of stuff, but he was also not credited for a lot of the stuff that he did do. It almost seems that Dario, and this is just what I gather from my research, is that he almost didn't feel like he was that invested in the movie. I've looked up stuff. He said that he was not very fond of, this is one of the least his least favorite movies he's ever directed. Hmm. And the funny thing is, is that if it's true that Mario Bava actually directed more of the movie, then it just shows you how disinterested he was with the project. Because... Mario didn't get directing credits, obviously. Right. But he shot a lot of the scenes with one of the main actresses. He helped with the special effects on it, too. And then he actually shortly passed away afterwards. Damn, dude. Wow. Yeah. And if you guys aren't sure who Mario Bava is, he's one of the... He was writing movies from, like, 39, 1939, all the way up to, like, 77. So he's been doing fucking movies. But he also was primarily a cinematographer more than he was a director, but he is well known for being a director as well. 
Uh, he did like Black Sunday, Bay of Blood, Evil Eye, Beyond the Door 2 was one of the last movies he did, Kill Baby Kill. Um, but he shot those films for, you know, decades. So like 30 years. If you guys also aren't aware, Lombardo Bava is Mario Bava's son. And he was actually a part of the movie too. And he said that because they have a lot of cats in this movie, he said that oh, yeah, because sure. <laughs> of how unruly these cats were, after that movie was shot, he was no longer able to be in a room with a cat ever again. <laughs> because he hated them so much. <laughs> I mean, they say it in a much nicer way, but I think he's right. probably just like, fuck cats. Right. They shit, they piss, they fucking scratch. No, like, whatever. They're they very piss different. It, they scratch, uh, they... <laughs> They scratch on my uh, my stuff. Uh. <laughs> they piss in my mouth. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like, in a way, like Dario's just was just so disinterested in his, in this movie, which is crazy because I, I it, it's not a bad movie. No, exactly, dude. It, I mean, aesthetically, it's pretty damn cool. I mean, there's some pretty cool scenes in it. I that, agree. You know, and and the, we they're not executed perfectly. <clears throat> no, but it still has an atmosphere that some movies can't even scratch. Yeah, like the the scene we just mentioned earlier about the girl going in to get her brooch in the water. Right. Uh, that is so. It's obligatory. Yeah. But it makes you feel uneasy. Yeah, and and it's it's I'm like watching it going like fuck this is freaking me out. You know, I mean it's 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 doing its job so it works, man. Well, now we got to talk about our favorite scenes. Yeah, because I got it. Wait, yeah, go. Patty, Pat, Pat. It's always Patrick. me. It's all you. I, I pointed you. It's always me. Come on, trick. I just, all right. I got so. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes. We talked about the first one, the, the whole water two, scene. Two scenes. By that, the way. Well, that's my first favorite scene. I the love wa- that. Scene. The water sports scene. Ah, that's a really good scene. Yeah, the one it's girl really on good. The girl. <laughs> Another one of my scenes, a little obscure, but it it it's just it made me laugh for like a good six minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> you know the scene we were talking about all the cats. You know the guy that lives next door that has the store. Right. And all the cats keep coming over his shop and pissing him off. Right. Well, they, one of them scratches him. And little do us, the audience, know that he's been collecting these fucking cats the whole time. Like, he has this little fucking footlocker with a burlap sack in it filled with fucking cats. Well, no, because he goes over to the fucking the apartments and then he talks to the head lobby person. Right. And he's like, you need to get rid of these cats. One of them scratched me. I'm fucking sick of them. Bye, 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 Right, and then she's like, well, you do what you please. Or she said something around that. She basically was very flippant about his attitude. Right. Like, they're cats. Shut the fuck up. He ends up collecting them in a burlap sack. And there's a point in the movie where he takes this sack out to the fucking lake (laughs) to drown the cats. Hell yeah. (laughs) I have three cats at home. They're for babies. That's all. (laughs) So he's going out to the water and he's on crutches. He's like decrepit old man and he like throws the cats in and he loses one of his crutches. And then he's trying to get his other crutch back, and all you see is these rats coming from the sewer, and they start eating him. Yeah, they, they, yeah. well, because he falls. Right. He, like, after he drowns the fucking cats, he's all happy, and he's like, ha, ha, ha. And he loses a cane. And he's cane. like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like an idiot, just right. falls over. And then, like, out of nowhere, the scene makes no sense whatsoever. He does not know the character in the movie. You see this garbage truck drive by. And no, it's he, not a garbage truck. It's a food stand. Like is a, it a food it's, stand? It's a fucking oh, it's, food it's, truck. It's, like it's a, a food. Okay, so a food truck drives by. Truck. It truck. stops. And he, he gets out and he looks like Leatherface. And you're like, what the fuck's going on here? He runs over the guy. And you this, think he's going to help him. Yeah, you think he's going to help him. And he just starts stabbing his ass. Yeah. No, he doesn't stab him. He cuts his fucking throat. 
Oh, yeah. C- he cuts him throat. on the back of the neck. He's like, please help me. And he's like, you think he's running out. He's like, oh, my God. And you're like, oh, he's going to save him. He's going to save the old poor grumpy fuck. <laughs> it's like the drown catter your guy. Your local leather face coming <laughs> drown up. Drown catter guy. <laughs> Mr. Drown Caddy. But yeah, he cuts his neck and then right. just rolls him over into the rats. And you could see I was like watching him because I was like checking to see if his face was moving. And he was like, oh, God, fucking rats. <laughs> He's not dead yet, guys. <laughs> but in my head, I just I, I thought of the character being Leatherface and be like, I can help. <laughs> like, Dude, I got to mention something because before he, when he's putting the cats in the burlap sack one of the first cats <laughs> oh, that they show him wrangling <laughs> dude i just started cracking up and i love animals like I, but i know it's fake so it's just yeah. funny to me <laughs> he, he like no wait 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 i want to say it because it's just so funny to me uh, so he grabs one of the cats. He's like, oh, hi, pussy. You know, like, how are you doing? Oh, yay. And he's like, you want to, yeah, you think you have money to scratch me, you know? And he, and he fucking smacks his head on the chair. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> he did it like in, like he was opening a beer bottle or something. <laughs> well, it's just like this Who's weird doing a Nazi scene. Curb stop on it? <laughs> I laughed out loud and it was like, I was kind of tired because it was like, it was pretty late last night. <laughs> right. And, and I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, that's pretty fucking great. I started cracking up, but I was like, I probably shouldn't laugh about this right now, right. but I'm going to mention that in the show. Uh, okay, so the cat attack scene. Cat attack. Where the cats start um, Atta- attacking that girl, like, out of the blue. Like, she's running away from something, right. and she goes in that room, and it's almost like the cats are possessed by the witch or whatever the fuck, the wit- one of the covens. Which witch? <laughs> I'm gonna make the dumbest jokes ever. Dude. I just yeah. looked at him with shame. <laughs> uh, no, but there's like all these cats, and dude, they were like throwing fucking cats at her. Like right. I'm not joking. Like straight up fucking throwing cats. And like even though she was an actor, I was thinking like these cats. Like if you've ever thrown a cat at a, a, well, I've never thrown a cat at somebody. <laughs> And if you've thrown a cat at somebody, you know that they're going to scratch at least two to three times. That's the ratio. That's a good two no. to three turn they have before they hit the person. But you were, I was watching it, and it was just like these people were just picking these cats up and throwing them at her. And I'm th- but it was like kind of brutal because they kill her. Right. And they were feeding the cats earlier with like a bunch of human meat that they were trying to hide from some people. Yeah. But that scene, dude, that's what it feels like every time I go to bed at night. <laughs> I'm telling you that my fucking that kitty is unruly. You'll sleep like a fucking dream, dude. <laughs> it's funny, my, my cats when they're bothering me too much and I can't get them out of the bedroom, I go into the kitchen and I knock around some plates because I think I'm I'm gonna give them like wet food. And then you lock them up. <laughs> yeah, I lock them up. <laughs> I'm well, then they're I'm... just outside, like singing the song of their people all night. <laughs> they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and they start pissing on your door and shit. Uh, well, they piss on my clothes if I leave them on the floor. Oh uh, yeah. They're like, "Pick this shit up." Uh, my other favorite scene is the scene where uh, the guy gets stabbed in the neck. She's like scared. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like I think it was the girl who found the letter from the brother of the girl who first died. Yeah, it was very confusing to me. It was weird. I can't remember because I'm getting a little confused because the girls kind of look similar a right, little bit. Right. But like the the main brother and the sister, she dies first, I think, and then the girl goes after her because he leaves the note next to her in class, and she's like, "Ooh, treasure! I'm gonna go to this New York place out of the way." Like, takes a taxi cab there, 
but she asks this complete stranger to be with her in the elevator and he's like okay well i've got nothing to do for the next few hours i guess i'll come along and then he's like oh i i'm a sports journalist and uh, what do you do and she's like i'm a musicologist a musicologist. Yeah, that's what they said. In ah, it. Ah. And I was like, wait, there's a profession? <laughs> I was like, I thought you were just a musician. Anyway, he goes in the room with them, and the lights start going out and shit, and she's freaking out. And he's like, I'll go to the switch box. Everything's okay. And he goes to the switch box. He's like, I think I got it. Should be working. And then that fucking creepy fucking salad fingers like black figure oh, like yeah. kills him by stabbing <laughs> him in the neck. Um... But yeah, like the, the the creature thing stabs him in the neck. Yeah. You see him like, he's like, oh, she's walking to find him. And then uh, I think she gets stabbed and killed and then falls through the thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's another one of my favorite scenes. The yeah. lighting right there and the way she falls through that silk screen. Right. The, the way oh. it tears. It yeah. just looks fucking awesome. Yeah, right? it's cool. I mean, it's not, I mean, everything is kind of like, not the greatest <laughs> right but it's still valid like i i just there's so many death scenes in this that i was like eh, not too bad eh, yeah, right. like it, it. It, it's it, the whole film in general to me is very stagey right that's the best way i can say it that's a good point you know for me uh two scenes really quick fantastic first of all i already talked about it when she goes down to get a brooch the underwater scene it's phenomenal because it's fucking really, it is it's yeah. really intense and it's very cool the second one is kind of cheesy and if they ever remake this movie, which I kind of hope they don't, but if they did, they might be able to make it a little better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the uh, very end. Where, uh, uh, the skeleton thing? Yeah, with death. Where yeah, she's like, I'm death! And then know, the mirror like, breaks. Like, I have many names and most people call me death! And it <laughs> breaks through the fucking... You know, mirror. The mask is horrible. I know, it's it's really cheesy. It's but, totally like Scream or something. Yeah, but it's at the same bad. time, it's it's... Even though, even though it's cheesy as fuck, dude, right. it's, it literally gives me goosebumps every time because it's so. I don't know what about it. I like this style of filmmaking. It's cheesy, yeah, but it fucking hits that chord with me. And you know, it's funny. You talk about remakes. You know that they're putting out supposedly this year, twenty seventeen. Suspiria, yeah, dude. I swear to God, it better be good. If not, I will eat a bullet. I'm. Uh, I don't know about that, but they better focus heavily on this. I'm gonna want. I want to watch it. The only person that I think might be able to get away with actually directing it is maybe like the guy who did The Witch, but with a really better writer. Well, you wouldn't. You want to. <laughs> you're saying you like wouldn't want to see Rob Zombie was great, do it, but the story was just meh. right. Oh, it's something I wanted to mention too, real quick. Wait, wait, wait. wait what did oh, you sorry. ask? Sorry. I said, "What you didn't want to see Rob Zombie do it, or no?" What? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm the super beast. <laughs> He'd be like, "It'd be like if he did 13. the Suspiria, she'd be like, welcome to the fucking dance club, bitch.' <laughs> you know, like fuck you, cunt. Like, like everything would just be wrong." <laughs> Um, but that's the favorite scenes. Um, now, we do want to go on and move on to the final p- third part of the mo- Three Mothers trilogy, which is The Mother of Tears. I don't think it's as bad as you're, you think, Mike. No, it's it's not bad. It it, it has some cool kill scenes, and it has some, some, some aesthetics that I can see that are blatant Argento things, which are cool. Sure. But it's it's lacking the... Like he added his daughter again. Yeah. <laughs> Asia. Just kidding. Oh, no. Asia. Asia. Uh, I, I was missing the the color, the color palette. You know, I like his colors and stuff. And and we were talking about this before. And just to give you guys kind of a quick rundown of what the story is, it's obviously directed by Dario Argento. 
part three of the Three Mothers trilogy, which takes place in Rome and has to do with the Mater Lacrimarum, the third mother. Um, basically, they find a, a casket with a... I thought it was a baby's casket, because I've never it, seen this yeah. movie. Well, no, it, it was like a one casket, and then a smaller one on top. It may have been a smaller one. Maybe yeah, a baby's it wasn't a... Well, it was just basically filled with a bunch of different stuff, like a cloak, okay. like with a bunch of fucking writing on it. They had like three different statues with different fucking demons or, yeah, mo- yeah. or uh, witches' mothers' names. And like an urn or something? That's what I think they called it an urn. It could have been. It was just like like here's the body. Also here's the knickknacks that they wanted. Yeah, to here's the uh, <laughs> famous knickknacks. Your take with you to fucking the after. Yeah, here's like a good kazoo yeah. and whatever. And uh, this looks jelly. like the oldest dildo I've ever found. It. It's a big branch. But anyway, they fucking find this thing. Aja Argento and this other lady who happens to be her real mom, by the way. They open this up and read the names of the statues that are in there, and it awakens the mother one of the mothers basically and so these like shifty ass creature like fucking mothers sounds like there's a party of like mothers like hanging out <laughs> mother just like ripping <laughs> mother, this shit out party. of out of uh, aja argento's uh mom real mom but the character in the story and that's when shit starts going crazy my general thoughts on this movie was that like you guys said great gore over the top oh yeah good looking uh had some pacing issues Little plot holes here and there. I, I definitely wouldn't go back and watch it again if it was really. Maybe if I was just gonna go back and watch the death scenes, I didn't think I'd it was that, that bad. Maybe I have to give it another go, but I don't. It's it's all over the fucking place. It is. It but, really is. Yeah. Whereas Suspiria is like I was saying earlier, the first movie is localized. It spreads a little bit in Inferno, and it goes full blast like out in the streets, fucking panic. Um when the mothers come to life because they devour the lady who was helping opening up the urn and helped read the shit. She cut her finger and it bled on the box. That's I remember that. And that pretty much was like the recipe for fucking mother of tears. Right. Who actually licks the tears off of a woman's face. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I could have dropped drawer and, uh, and it looked like took care of some business. It looked like scene. semen. It didn't even look like a tear. Like, <laughs> did you notice that? Like yeah. I was like, yeah. No. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it really did. It looked like just clear and thick. Like the viscosity <laughs> of it was just <laughs> just it looked like my semen. No, I'm just kidding. Um anyway. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I loved a lot of the death scenes in this. Yeah. But the story was so all over the fucking it place. It really was. It, it, it literally was like when he wrote it or whoever wrote it just threw a bunch of scene ideas in a big hopper. Yeah. Pulled, pulled them out randomly. It's like they watched Speed and they were like, let's make a fucking movie, man. Yeah. They, they watched Speed then took a bunch of Speed. Yeah, exactly. They were all on fucking Coke when they made this movie. Her, uh, Aja Argento is one of her scenes in it. She starts to cry and say she's afraid. Did not believe it in the least. Yeah, I didn't buy that either. At all. But with that said, there was some fucking creative shit in this movie, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of the gore and shit was... It's like, yeah, all right, okay. We really can't get into that, though, because we're going to my favorite scene. Well, no, but I'm just I'm just being general. I don't know. It just it was so convoluted and lost in its own fucking story that it, it just... I didn't believe any of the characters. I didn't care about them. But I didn't really need to because some of the death scenes would carry me through the story. Right. But it did get a little weird and confusing. It was almost like... They were planning to make another movie after this, but they were like, fuck it. Let's just put it in here. It was almost like 
they made the plot like we just did that plot earlier, the grave plots. Like they were just like, oh, oh yeah. fuck, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, no, but this had way too many ideas in it. Like it feels yeah. like it was just way too many ideas that didn't connect. But it did create a sense of chaos in the streets um, by way of guys breaking out car windows and shit. <laughs> and uh, I got to mention the scene. I'm going to do my scenes because oh, I always yeah, ask it, you it, guys it, it, and it. I'm telling mine first. Yeah, go ahead. There is a scene in the movie where this lady's like walking down the street after all this chaos is starting to happen. And she's got her baby carriage and she's pushing it along over this bridge and she picks up the baby and she's like, hi, baby. Hi. And it just chucks it off the fucking bridge and it hits its head on the fucking bridge. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, Yeah, it was crying until it hit its head. That was pretty awesome. She's like, I can't afford a fucking uh, coat hanger. I mean, I watched the scene like four times just to make sure. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so good, though. Uh, but I watched the scene like four times and I'm thinking to myself like, what the fuck, dude? Was that a real baby? Like, it looked kind of legit. Like, I was like, damn. Method actor, brilliant. Really <laughs> 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 no, but the part that caught my attention is I... Because I saw it when she picks up the baby. It's a fake baby, so you can kind of see its face. And it's not really moving like normal. But when it's like... She chucks it. And it, like you said, it's like the the baby crying stops as it hits the its head on the bridge. Right. And then oh. it just does a fucking flip in the air like on the way down. <laughs> just, it does a triple gainer. Dude, yeah, that stopped me in my given, tracks. I would have at least given it an eight. <laughs> She may not have won gold, but she got bronze. Oh man! <laughs> oh yeah, you're catching on, dude. So what's, so what's the what's the next one? Uh, shit. Um, I would say the train scene is probably one of the best because just because like I'm like, is she one of the witches? Like, because I they didn't really make it clear, dude. It seemed like she was almost gonna be a main. Like character, I thought so too because she was so prominent and she stood right. out. It just felt like she was gonna be a, a witch. I thought like, but apparently she was just the leader of these no, but she demons could... or something. I don't know. Like, okay, so she did actually have some powers because remember that guy she stopped on the train that was following the same chick she was. She, yeah, it like, seemed like everybody bleed from the eyes and shit. Yeah, that's right. That was like straight out of fucking Fulci, dude. Oh, he pulled that shit straight out of fucking yeah. City of the Living Dead, dude. There is no other movie that someone looks at somebody and makes them bleed out of the eyes like that. Like, Damn. Other than Fulci's City of the Living Dead, in my opinion. She chases after the girl like a couple people do, but she gets the jump on her and she slams her head in the fucking train door like several times. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, yes. So my favorite scenes, I got a couple. <laughs> the cream of the crop. Okay. It has to be the very one of the very last scenes in the movie where she finally finds one of the three houses of the witches. Okay. And she goes into the cellar, and all this fucked up, like, S&M shit's going on. Oh, like, yeah. Oregon, that was badass. Stab. But there's a scene, and you see this heavyset woman bent over, 
And there's like, I don't know what's sticking out of her ass, if it's her, her intestines. Oh, or the, or, the ones eating it? Yeah, she's know. like, the goth girl's oh, like eating right. it like it's I, fucking I, Lady I, in I the Tramp. That. I'm like, why did I ever think about this? Right. It was totally like a Lady in Tramp It was scene, a really. kind of touching <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. pretty. Touching. Yeah, mouth to ass touching. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a stick or something at first, and then I saw that it was in someone's mouth, and I was like, Ew. Did they eat a baby and she gave birth? Is that what it was? I, I thought it was intestines, but I, I don't know. I, I, I but know yeah, that. it was sex and murder at the same time. Right. What were you gonna say? What's your favorite oh, oh, scene? No, well, I didn't even get my other one. Oh, well, well say it. Well, I'm you, sorry. Your ass hat. Jeez. Fucking talk, dude. Open oh, your mouth. No, I, just kidding. I, I can't help if the conversation goes places. You let it go. All right. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite? What's the okay? Scene? So my other favorite scene has to be one of the very first opening scenes when you're talking about that girl, how they wake and the mother, and like they shove that thing down her mouth and pretty much break oh, her whole yeah. face yeah, open. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, dude. Yeah. That reminded me of like the dentist or something. There's it was another so scene bad. like that too. She might as well get a blowjob. What about you? What are your favorite scenes? Because I don't want to mention it. God damn it, Mike. <laughs> You're fucking making me a... This is editing editing nightmare. Uh, yeah, my two favorite scenes... I mean, uh, the scene you mentioned with all the S&M stuff yeah. was pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, but really the one that really stuck out, and this is kind of... It's kind of a... I don't want to say a weird scene. At the very end, where the main character is trying to escape, and she's going through this, like... Like a like a marsh full of like mush and like it's all wet and mucky and there's like at body the very parts. end yeah. yeah I like that because it reminded me of uh, phenomena with Jennifer, oh, okay. with Jennifer Connelly yeah so I I saw it um it's like a scene from a movie he previously did right okay so it reminded me of that movie that literally is my <clears> favorite <throat> scene okay do you have any other ones uh, other than one that where, the one where the got the mouth ripped out kind of a thing at the beginning of the movie I like the one where he opens uh, there's that crazy guy in the house. That kills that girl's friends, that okay. Aja's friends. She calls her on the phone. She's like, "You need to be scared." And he's like, "Who is this?" All of a sudden, he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And then she just has a fucking fit of rage and starts slamming the phone at the phone booth. She's like fighting the. F- I'm like, "What are you doing? That's not gonna save your friend. Like, get out of there and help her. Whatever. The call the police." Uh, but she, uh, that guy, he takes his tool out of a bag. And he opens it up, and it's like two spikes, and he just jams it oh, in that, that girl's was a eyes. Great fucking scene! And then pulls he, it out. He doesn't leave it in. Like leaving it in would have been pretty typical, but they pulled it out, and you see the holes in her that eyes. Was great. And I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "That's kind of fucked that up." That was cool. I, I like, I like that he pulled out and flipped out the fucking things. Oh yeah, okay. It wasn't. He didn't just pull it out and stick it in. Yeah, it was like clink clink. Yeah, it was like a like something, some sort of device that was developed. Well, for then he pulls purpose. a spear out too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Udo Kier did play um, in this movie too, but he was a different character. It wasn't the same thing. He played uh, Doctor Frank Mandel in Suspiria, and then returned thirty years later in this film through a different character, Padre the Father John Johansson Johannes. Or whatever that, dude. He gets a fucking death scene like a motherfucker too. Oh, I know. Oh, dude. dude. For sure. Fucking, fucking like I can't remember what happens to him, but his face gets fucked. Oh well, he, first he's trying to get away from that chick that's stabbing him because it was like his assistant or someone right. who worked with him at the church, and he's going up the stairs. Slices oh, he like sees Achilles. that she killed. She's eating the dog. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So he's trying to get away, and he goes upstairs. And he slices his Achilles tendon, and he well, falls she cuts down. his throat. He falls back. 
Oh, was it his throat first? Hey, he, she cuts his throat, yeah. and as he's yeah. walking yeah. away, she cuts his Achilles tendon. That's what. Okay. And then he falls back on the fucking stairs, but I think she bashes his head in. Yeah, he like straight up cleavers his face. Dude, it's brutal. Oh, like, dude. there is some literally like this is the most brutal of the trilogy. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah it for is sure, dude. like there is like the first one has what like three deaths, maybe four. Yeah, and they're they're kind of cartoony to some degree, right? Yeah. Like, it's more of the atmosphere. It's not the deaths. Correct. The second one has more deaths with a little bit of atmosphere. And the third one's like, fuck it. Just death. Let's just kill. <laughs> Everybody dies. Let's fucking kill, kill, kill. Which is not a bad recipe for some of you guys out there. So if you want to watch this trilogy, it's I personally don't think it's a bad trilogy. I As think, a whole, no. I think there's a lot of trilogies out there. The last one's way bad. This one isn't way good. Depends on if you just want a trilogy of Suspiria, you're not going to get this with this trilogy. But, and this is my theory that I talked about earlier. Okay. Remember how you talked about the Sidfield three-act structure? Oh, yeah. I feel like that's what he did with those three movies. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think he did it intentionally. No, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for it sure. Because it builds. It very well could could be. You know, you're right, dude. I mean, that could be a, something to, to think about because... Uh, Fuck you! Now I'm gonna be up up at like two in the morning thinking about that. <laughs> I'm being serious. Like I thought <laughs> no, about I, no, it because I, I mean all of them have the structure sort of like Suspiria doesn't really, and neither does Inferno. But it feels like the movies like. No, I know what you mean. They it's, add, they grow in fucking chaos. You know, it is what's interesting about that that comment is I don't think he was doing that on purpose, and I don't know if that was intentional. But what if you actually could do that? Because uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I make three films, make it a trilogy, but make each film a different act. Well, it'd be hard to pull off. It would be hard to pull off because sometimes when you when you watch certain films or read certain books, you can't really understand what you're watching or reading until you finish it and step back. But anyways, uh, no, that's a fantastic uh, concept. I don't know. I just I don't know if anybody else out there had noticed that. I mean, obviously it's it's building, but did anybody think that maybe he? I mean, I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, but it just seems like like. It's like a three-act structure of a full story. Fascinating. I mean, there's different characters, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the overall arc of the mothers, it comes to a head. Now, if you guys haven't seen this, the ending, I'm just we're going to talk about it for about one minute. Okay? And I'm going to watch the clock. Clock it up. So you have nothing to worry about. So Clucky clock. The, we're going to spoil it right now. Now, one minute from now, when they climb out of the slime yeah, and they climb up through the hole, the crack, and the oh, whole yeah. world's like destroyed pretty much from fucking chaos of the witches. I didn't like, they just sat there and laughed. Like, right. what the fuck is that about? Like, that's how you're going to end it? Everybody we know is dead. Isn't that hilarious? Is it? Is it that they were trying to do the whole in the mouth of madness type thing that they had just been through hell that they came out crazy? I have no idea. Does it make any sense? That makes sense. Wasn't there a scene in Inferno where the chick's leaving the building that's on fire? And she's and laughing a... as she's walking out. Yeah. Yep. Well, they were trying to obviously describe madness. But, yeah, so the spoiler, we're spoilers off. But that's just, it just seemed weird to me how that ended. So, uh, overall, though, I think that this isn't a horrible trilogy of all the trilogies or, you know, that I've seen. I actually, because I hadn't seen Mother of Tears, I didn't hate it. It wasn't organized. It wasn't well thought out. It didn't have any atmosphere. It was jumbled as fuck. But goddamn, if some of those death scenes weren't the fucking coolest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, they were pretty fucking dope. And I feel like 
it was like you ever seen the church? You guys ever seen the church? It was supposed to be Demons Three. Okay. I really feel like this was like the church on acid. Like it went crazy. Like demons and fucking shit was just going wild. So I don't know. I didn't think it was a bad trilogy. It definitely is. The first one's the best. Second one's the second best. It's in order. If you guys are interested in some of the stuff that we had to say about it, or if you have any other opinions about those movies, uh, including the Warlock ones, sound off in the comments. We know that this episode ran a little bit longer, but we tried out a new segment that we got a little carried away and, ex- and enjoyed it. So if you enjoyed that fucking Grave Plot segment, please let us know. Don't be afraid to post in the comments or, or on any of our social media. Please make sure that you follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud. We're on Instagram. I mean, just let us add us and let us know what you think. And if you have any ideas for the show, to do like a Grave Plots episode or maybe a horror shot idea, just let us know. Yeah, give us a poke. Yeah. Poke us. Poke us. <laughs> I can tell you where to poke me. <laughs> it's okay either way. <laughs> but thank you guys for sticking around for the episode. It was awesome to talk about this. We're definitely doing the Grave Plots again. Yeah, it was, for it, sure. It's fun, dude. It, it really dig it. I yeah, mean, I just off it. the top for the first time, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. Right? I want to make that, that movie. movie, right? You guys have a good week, and uh, be safe out there. Watch yeah. out for witches and warlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a great, great week this week. We will catch you guys next Monday. Have a good one, guys. Peace. Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast. Tune in every Monday for a new episode.